I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 60. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. This episode, we are going to be talking about all things Real Housewives, and we got a lot to say. But before we get into any of that, we have some few housekeeping notes to get out of the way first. Uh, be sure to, wherever you listen to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, we would really, really love it if you could leave a rating and a review right now. Uh, take the time to just go do that real quick because it's so helpful to us and helps us get into the algorithm and seen by more and more people. And it also gives us feedback. We desperately, desperately love feedback from all of you about what you like, what you don't like on this podcast, what you want to see on this podcast. Um, and that's the place to give it to us over in the rating and review section. So be sure uh, to go do that. Uh, you can also follow us on our social media platforms at a gay and his NB that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads. Um, over there, you're going to get clips from the podcast. You're going to get uh, memes and sort of our initial thoughts and live tweeting of everything that we are watching. Um, so be sure to keep an eye out over there and follow us uh, wherever you are on social media. Uh, all at Again is NB. Uh, you can also wrap merchandise from us over at Again is NB threadless.com. Uh, nine different designs that you can get on a variety of different items, including T-shirts and mugs and stickers and just general any anything, pretty much anything you can think of. Maybe not anything, anything, but pretty much anything. Um, and they're really great designs that Merlin put together. So you're going to really love them. Uh, go visit Again is NB threadless.com and pick something up today. Um, and then also. If you have questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode, uh, you can submit that to us across our social media or at againismb at gmail.com. Uh, we may answer those questions on a future episode of the podcast, so be sure to submit those um, to, you know, get, have any questions that you want us to answer. We we are here for you. Um, what are we talking on this episode, babe, this Real Housewives episode? So we've got uh, a lot to cover this week. We've got uh, Salt Lake City. We've got that uh, <laughs> birthday party from hell. What it seems like, Jesus Christ. Well, and oh, and that that Prism event, which has maybe my favorite like housewives fight in like the last like five years. Oh, that was bonkers. <laughs> Um, that, uh, then we've got Beverly Hills where magic Mike is not quite so magical. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm still not sure what she's upset about. I, I don't understand. We'll get into it. Um, then we'll talk about Miami where, uh, Gertie comes clean about her cancer diagnosis to some of the girls. It's very emotional, very heavy. But before we get to that. We've got to talk Potomac. New show. Well, not new show. We've covered uh, Potomac before on the podcast, but new season of a show. Uh, the season eight of Real Housewives of Potomac. Potomac is finally back. Uh, long awaited, long anticipated. Uh, I, I miss Potomac. Potomac is, uh, you know. Well. Oh, well. I missed how Potomac used to be. I was not looking forward to coming back to it after we left it last season. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about this episode. There were things that surprised me about it of how things moved in the episode. I wasn't disappointed in how I was going to say a certain cast member. I'll just say it. I wasn't disappointed in how Robin was held accountable. I, I agree. I liked that little intervention thing. Like I thought it was actually handled pretty well. There were, I, this is the first episode in a long time that I've liked Giselle. Yeah. And that's shocking to me. Like, and I always found Giselle to be like a necessary evil on this show. Like, I think she's vital to the show without, you know, right. being likable. Um, 
But uh, like that, early season Stasi on <laughs> Vanderpump. Very that. And that was surprising to me. And but I also am huh, Robin is not leaning in and and not figuring out that like none, what's not clicking. None of this makes sense. And clearly is not going to this season because the tune that we're seeing in this first episode is basically the same tune we saw at BravoCon this weekend. Yeah. And it's no accountability. And, and it's and it's no culpability. And all, not only no culpability, it's apparently everyone else's fault. Yeah. It's awful. I loved that that's my favorite clip from the from BravoCon weekend of Karen at that panel going, and the only one in this group who makes no fucking sense is Robin Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Um we get we start with this great intro package though of like the lead up to everything that's been happening. Giselle just starts her confessional. Where do I begin? Juan and the girl in Canada. <laughs> and then Giselle goes, I know this is like eating her up that everybody is poking holes at her marriage. I'm like, it's, it's the not really thing po- poking holes at their marriage is Juan's dick. I'm just saying. You said it, not me. <laughs> if he'd keep it in his pants, it wouldn't be poking holes in the marriage. Karen says in her professional. Now we know, now that we know what's really going on beneath the surface. And they show this, like, they have this, it was like in Stranger Things. It was like yeah. so weird. Like the, they shoot the house and then they go underneath the ground and it comes back up. And now it's like dark and like sort of like mystical. It was like, what are we doing here? It was like these dark, like vines across the house. It's like, what is happening? Karen goes, she wants to believe her husband. I get that. But whoa, girl, he's on a whole ass receipt. <laughs> you just got outed by the Canadian woman. And then five seconds later in the laundromat with the girl that he used to work with, not only who he used to work with, who, when you look at the photos of this girl, which they didn't show in the episode. This is the woman that looks like Karen. Because she does look like Karen. Very much so. Like, she almost has the same mole as Karen. It's creepy. It's... I Don't doubt Miss Huger. Don't doubt the Grand Dom. Uh-huh. She, she, she lies sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> Giselle just goes, it just doesn't look right. Like, it looks bad. And then Ashley, in her confession, goes, now there's another photo surfacing of Juan in a nail salon of all places. And they do the the recreation for illustration purposes only of just, like, some some random person in a nail salon. Like, we know what a nail salon looks like. like they just needed a visual, I guess. But also, I, I am all for... Um, uh, defying sexist tropes and gender tropes. Why the fuck is Juan in that nail salon? The laundromat story you can make a story out of. The nail salon makes no fucking sense. But also, why is he in a laundromat? They have a laundry room at the house. Yeah. There's no reason that they need to be going to a laundromat. Mm. Giselle goes, the nail salon was a little too much for me. I was screaming and yelling when I saw it. Karen says, Robin's on another planet this year. But the truth will set you free. <laughs> and then they go into the actual opening scene. Oh, oh, oh! I was like, did we switch over to Lifetime by accident? This looks like a Lifetime movie where this woman is home alone and like a <laughs> and like a stranger in my house is like the the name I could think of that you would title this movie because it feels like a slasher flick yeah. where they're like. 
panning across the room. And it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And she's just like quietly with like no backing music, like putting like photos into frames and stuff. It's so odd. It's 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 literally a lifetime movie. It's hilarious. Um, Juan comes in and says hi. And they're talking about, oh, the photos and stuff like that. Um, we'll get to our theories of like what actually like who's lying, who's lying and who's believing what and what the whole actual like. I don't I don't think it's far fetched to say there's an arrangement. Yeah, I, I really don't because they have no chemistry in my view. I, I don't see a chemistry with them. Well, and you also can't forget the hot mic moment that Juan was caught mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago telling the producer if it wasn't for the kids, I wouldn't be here anymore. And we just kind of forgot that happened. Because it never got addressed. It just kind of got abandoned. It's and like, it, I'm sorry. This is huge. Like, I get that, like, Robin's kind of, like, has this quote-unquote chill vibe. I, it's not really a chill vibe, but it's the best word I can use. Yeah. Like, where it's, like, nonchalant. And, like, I get one's kind of like that way. But, again, there's just no, like, chemistry when they're talking and no discussion. Like, there's – I don't feel like they're a couple. They yeah. don't give that vibe to me. Yep. They feel like two parents in a – two people in a co-parenting relationship. Yeah. And I think that's what it was. I think it was, we'll get back together. I'll give you a storyline because this started from the first season, right? Right. I'm going to give you the storyline to stick on, and then we won't get divorced, quote, unquote. We'll get, you know, or, you know, and we won't have to go through the court system or whatever, and then I don't have to pay child support. And I can just co, we can just co-raise our children, and then I can go out and fuck whoever and do, because I don't want to get married again. I think that's what it is. Also, we ain't seen that uh, wedding certificate. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, and we'll get it when it like breaks down. Like that ha- to me, that has to be what happened in the way that things are operating in terms of this story. And and they really should have come up with a better story. They they should have come up to a better game plan when they were filming this scene because it's bad. It's not. It's not. It doesn't make. It doesn't give me confidence that this is a genuine. Like was just a genuine mistake. Yeah, at all. Um, they had just came back from the Bahamas and Robin's like, you know, back to life and, you know, real life's a bitch right now. And Juan goes, yeah, it's a part of life. It's just like, what? Like, I, I don't, I don't know about, it's not a part of my life. Is it a part of your, I haven't like, this is not, I don't know anyone that goes through this. Yeah. This is bullshit. This is not a part of life. Robin goes, like all the noise that's been going on, you know, the whole girl with the hotel receipt and Juan goes. And once again, that was stupid. <laughs> Robin goes, but we chose to move forward. We chose to get married. I wasn't expecting like the firestorm that came out of it, you know, when Giselle and I addressed it on the podcast. And Juan goes, I told you not to do that. Of course Juan told her not to do that. Yeah. Of course Juan would have rather just stayed in like the blogosphere and like sort of like that stuff and then just like not said anything. Because that would have, it would have just never been addressed. Right. And can I also say this whole like we, because Robin says it here that we fixed it already before that season started. So why would I bring it up? You would have brought it up. Every fucking other housewife, if they have an issue in between filming even if they got past it, they bring it the fuck up. Also, I just don't believe that timeline because, and we talked about it last, when we were covering last season, the timeline of her saying that and the timeline of when they were filming. Right. It, 
No. And also, Robin wasn't the only one that knew about it. Giselle right. knew about it. The girl sent her the fucking uh, stuff directly. So it's like the idea that it just wouldn't fucking come up when you're getting married to this person and your storyline is about putting in a fucking infidelity clause. Right. And then the whole, well, I was waiting for Karen to bring it up. Uh, Bitch. It's so. Oh. So then Juan gives his explanation. Juan goes, that was me. Yes. You know, but it was me being nice. I've given random homeless people $20, $50 before because I wanted to do a good deed. This was a young lady who said she was going to visit a dude that played for the Ravens. She lost her wallet in the casino. She reached out to me. I got her a hotel room. I know it sounds weird, but that's the truth. He's just a nice guy. He's just a really nice guy. But it's like, one, even even what Robin is saying, it's like, you were still communicating with this woman extensively. This isn't a random woman that just messaged Juan Dixon randomly. And also, you didn't just pay for her hotel room. You drove an hour to fucking Baltimore out of the way to put your fucking card down to pay for this hotel room. Right. To compare it to, like, giving a homeless person money when you're... Uh, I hate it. Uh, um, Robin's like, right. But, but okay, my question, though, is, okay, you're at a hotel room with a woman. Like, why not go for it? And Juan goes, with who? And Robin goes, with her. Juan goes, did you see her? I didn't like this. They, they, they keep, her and him and Robin kept doing this whole, like, well, she wasn't pretty enough to, like, be a mistress. It was giving very Trump vibes. Yeah. Oh, very. Like, uh, she, the, the, she's not my type. It's like, uh-huh. you, you don't, you shouldn't say you, I, I know this is not with the Juan case, but it's like, you shouldn't say you have a rapist type Donald, you fucking moron. Yeah. Like, uh, it's so, like, fucking infuriating. Um, Juan goes, it's on me. I fucked up. And Robin goes, I know you fucked up. You shouldn't have been friendly with her. Juan goes, yeah, I'm too friendly. I'm too nice. So, so bad. Robin's goes, it's been a year and a half for people to judge me for not sharing that when we were preparing for our wedding. (laughs) And, and uh, we'll get to it later when there's a hypocrisy element to it too, that you're completely losing in this. Also, the, um, it's not been a year and a half. Sure. At least at this point in which you're filming. Like, right. you know, Robin goes, the minute I heard what Candace was saying, it was quite a shocking, you know, shocking thing. Because last year I showed her as much support as I could. Well, that clearly that wasn't enough. As much support as you could, meaning that you supported her to her face, and then when you actually had to hold Giselle accountable, you fully capitulated to Giselle. That's what I saw at the reunion. Yep. Robin goes, they think our relationship is fake or that we have an arrangement, and they don't believe the story. And Juan goes, well, of course they don't believe the story because it sounds weird, but it's the truth. And Robin, like, pauses and goes, right. It's like, it's like, are you convincing yourself? Like, I, I'm just, I'm over it. And then what Robin goes, the reason I chose to believe it is because Juan wouldn't make up something that stupid. She talks about this later where it's just like, 
Clearly, he didn't need to make something up better. Clearly, he didn't because you believe this. Clearly. And also, keep in mind, she hasn't even read the text messages between these women. If we're to believe her, she hasn't even read the text messages between him and this woman. And she hasn't even asked to read them. Which is just dumb. So clearly, you're such a fucking doormat that... Why would Juan have to... Why would he have to make up a better story? Yeah, because you'll just believe whatever bullshit he tells you. Uh, Robin goes, 99% that heard that story thinks that you lied to me. And Juan goes, it's... But that is... It, it's okay. But I I don't know. It, it It's all good. People are going to think what they want. It's like, Jesus Christ, Juan. Like, I get why he doesn't show up to reunions. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> it's... Robin goes, I guess it was exacerbated by you being in the laundromat. And Juan goes, working? Who works in a laundromat? Well, <laughs> Robin goes, working. Yeah, it's like so crazy. Like you called me that morning and said to me, you know, me and Codes Bree are going to the laundromat. Why? That's such a weird, that's a weird lie, Robin. I'm so sorry. Why would he text you that? I just, I don't. It doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Juan goes, men and women work together all the time. They chill together. They don't know the relationship, Rob. And then for also him to call her Rob, I get it's like a pet name, but like, and then Juan's like, but Coach Bree is a beautiful, attractive woman. I was like, where are you going with this? What? Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Robin goes, right. Like people almost think that we look alike. (laughs) I can't, I, it's so delusional. It's crazy. It's like, I, I'm just, I'm so tired of her. It's, 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 it's it's exhausting. It's, it's genuinely exhausting. Robin goes, and then on top of that, you lost your job. And Juan goes, I guess we didn't win enough basketball games. You know, we had injuries and stuff like that. Couldn't have had to do with the lawsuit. (laughs) No, not at all. Can't be. Robin goes, I know, but I hate that the public thinks that you lost your job for another reason. She doesn't even say the reason. Wong goes, it's unfortunate that certain things came out. It's nothing factual. It's nothing factual? So, again, what was this person, like, not even catfished? Is that what you're saying? Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't get what is not factual about this. You were the head coach. This person was your player. He had to report to you. What, like, like, to me, like, that's, like, basic, like, common sense, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not crazy. Like, he, like, I don't know why you were, like... And then Juan goes, in this society, people want likes. They want clicks. I hate giving this particular story energy. It's like, uh, like, it, I, none of, like, I believe everything now. I, like, yeah. this, it did the, this was the worst damage control scene I may have ever seen on Housewives. It was so fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, Juan is guilty of pretty much everything in my view. Like, it's. Yep. But the thing is, like, so what do you, like, okay, we'll get to this now. Like, what do you think Robin, do you think Robin knows? Do you think she's being dumb genuinely and just, like, like, do you think it's, like, what What do you think Robin's play in it is? We we know in terms of, like, the hiding on the show. Like, like she hits shit, period. And, like, you know, the excuses that she's giving as to protecting her man, I think, don't hold much water. 
to be honest, and are fully hypocritical. But like, do you think? Do you think she actually believes this shit? No. Um, because knowing Robin, I I feel like I have a good read on her after all these years. Um, especially because I really liked Robin at the beginning. Yeah, you were a big Robin fan. Uh, emphasis on were. Um, I feel like the first thing that she would have done is sat him down and said, okay, what's the truth? Yeah. yeah. And then after that would have been, okay, what's the story? Because that's how she operates. She operates from a, from a calm damage control space. Yeah. Isn't she in PR? I don't know. I feel like that's been established before, which I also think is crazy because she's really bad at it. Yeah, she should be fired after seeing how she's handled all this. And we'll get to it later with like the intervention. I think it's interesting that like the that whole thing of like I need to get the story that I'm going to tell people, right? Like that's also her friend. That's what her friends do. That's what Giselle does. That's yeah. what Ashley does did with Michael at the very least. Yeah, like you know they they they're good at sort of like gaslighting in the sense of like you know this is what really happened that you didn't see, and it's like I just yeah, and it's like on the base level the I I'm I'm not going to sell out my man. That's what she said at BravoCon. I'm not going to sell out my man on camera. Essentially, is why I didn't bring it up when we had fixed it or whatever. It's like, okay, one, you're going to sell out everyone else's men. Like, like, why does, why does, again, why does Karen not get that same right? Why does Karen yeah. have the ability to not, like, like if we're going to play fair, let's play fucking fair. Yeah. Right? So, like, don't, it's not even, and maybe they'll touch on it later in, like, the season, but it's like, the issue is that you and Giselle were the fucking honesty police on this show all the fucking time. Right. And you've not stayed off of fucking Karen for eight seasons now. Like. Yeah. I wonder if this, this just occurred to me. I wonder if Michael Darby clocked that all this was fake and that's why he went after Juan so hard. You know. Because he misread why it was fake. Maybe. Like, oh, that he thought, like, Robin was, like, her, his beard or whatever. Like, yeah. he genuinely thought. Maybe. I, 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 I wouldn't put it past Michael Darby. Like, to. Because yeah. that's clearly what Ashley was. I mean, whether, whether Michael Darby is gay or bi, don't care. Yeah. But that man likes men. We, he's been caught with his pants down and his dick out. Like, so, like, there's no question there even though nobody wants to admit it. So like, and then he's also been caught Thursday after one and it's been a storyline on the show. So like, come on. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, we go to Karen having dinner with Candace and Wendy. I love that these three got together the first, like their first scene of the season. Cause I was like, y'all need to be together. I, yeah. I like, I'm, I get like a line, like I, it's a little inside baseball to be like be in this alliance like as a viewer yeah. but like the way that this group operates and the way that the green eye bandits in particular yep. fucking operate and then you got fucking um another one of ashley's friends coming in as a housewife and they roped in mia and then you got Cerise, and like no it's gonna be six on three and i need all of you three 
to fucking yeah. be on the same page. Yeah. And to have each other's back. Um, Wendy talks about how she gave up alcohol for Lent. And then she pulls out her rosary that she has in her purse. Uh, she's like, that's why I'm protected. And it's clearly, like, I feel like going to play up to this whole stuff that we're going to see this season with NECA and her mm-hmm. and that kind of dynamic, which I I would love to know more about. Like, anyone listening, if, like, you're familiar with some of the stuff that they're going to be talking about, um, about, like, Osu and, like, that stuff, send in, uh, like, any details because I'm genuinely curious. I've seen a lot of stuff about, like, how people have been kind of off-put about how like, they're going to be coming at Wendy for this, and it's a little, like, cultural sens- insensitivity. Like, yeah. So I'm just genuinely curious and would love to know more about that. Um, Karen says, I got y'all together to see where you all are because, you know, when we left New York, it was a hot mess. Robin has some ownership to take because truth has come out. We can only get along if we're being honest, and the biggest liar is the woman that hid her truth. We were the targets in order for her to not talk about her truth. Like, and that's the thing what we talk about. Like, it's coordinated. It was coordinated. And yeah. that's why, you know, Candace goes, what really blew my wig over there was when she said, I was waiting for Karen to bring it up. And Karen goes, look, I was dealing with Juan's domestic women, not international women. <laughs> <laughs> um, Candace goes, she behaved with all of us as if everything was fine. Karen goes, she spent an entire year telling you all that everyone was going to see my true self and the only liar is Robin Dixon. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't know about the only liar, but like, because he was like, I don't think Karen, because that's Robin's response. It's like, well, Karen's not honest. Karen's not fully truthful, but she fucking deals with it head fucking on. Yeah. She'll say to your face, that's not true. That's not true. That's a lie. My marriage is an institution and all that shit. That's different. Than hiding shit. Right. To, at like, least Karen denies it. Like she's at least going to deal with it on camera. Yeah. And because I was, so the producer, we see the producer in Wendy's confessional go, can you say that you've been a hundred percent open with everything that's gone on in your life over the years? And Wendy goes, oh, that's a good question. I have. And then <laughs> she goes, what about Karen? And Wendy goes, next question. <laughs> and then bust out laughing. But that's the thing. It's like, I don't expect people to to show more of their marriage or their relationship beyond what you would do in a normal friend group right right i'm not expecting you to be like like i mean we praise like for example like monica being like so i had this affair etc and all this stuff and like laying everything out but like i don't fault someone for not telling everything that you would normally tell in a friend group but don't if you would Robin would have told Giselle in a normal, if this was a normal friend group without cameras, would have told Giselle about this. And so therefore it should have come up. That's my thing. Like if you're that close of friends. Yeah. Like it would have been discussed. Karen goes, if Robin owns her shit, we got no problem. And Wendy goes, she doesn't care if he like cheats on her. Robin goes, or Karen goes, Robin just needs to stay, say, look, we have an understanding. And Wendy goes, because it's an arrangement. And I love Candace going, are they even married? Like, do we have the license? I love that Candace is just like gloves off at this point. Like, good. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it with everything. She's been under fire for the last two seasons straight. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, we see then Ashley at her new house uh, with the two boys. Um, it's 2.2 million. It's a good looking house on the inside. Like mm-hmm. she talked about wanting like lighter tones and stuff like that with how dark, like the apartment was and stuff like that. 
Um, she talks about how it's been it's been really difficult being a full time full time mom without Michael. And then that scene of of her son Dean like pulling Dylan up just by the arm onto the counter as she's like looking away doing dishes. I was like Ashley. <laughs> This is like one of those PSAs or something. Like, what's happening? Like, do not. Well, and then Ashley going, I don't really have anyone else that can, like, take the kids for a minute. It's really just me. And then the shady producers cut to the fact that she has a nanny named Daisy. It's like, what? Oh, geez. Um, what do we, so what do we also think of this? So Ashley talks about how Michael's name is still on the mortgage. She goes, I don't know what will happen with me and Michael financially until we're fully divorced. Like, I'm not in, like, a rush to take Michael's name off of the mortgage. And she basically kind of says that she's, like, dragging her feet on the divorce for the fact that, like, because of that, like, Michael still contributes. And it's, like, I wish you would have just gotten ahead of it, girl. Like, this is, like, a backwards way of, like, getting what... Because we said it last season, like, Ashley deserved fucking everything from Michael in terms of that divorce. Like, it's, like, she, she... dealt with way too much shit in that marriage. Yeah. It it seems like she's doing a backwards way of getting what she deserves out of that prenup. Yeah. But, and, and, but the prenup is ironclad, so she can't do anything. But also, I just don't think it's sustainable. Like, I don't think like at a certain point, you're going to have to divorce this man. And also like, again, I wouldn't have put his name on a house that you yourself cannot afford. Seemingly, at least well, yeah. at least that's how she portrayed it last season towards the end. Well, but the thing is, is that he can't just take his name off of it. Right, 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 right. So he can't just leave her up and up and dry. He cannot pay it, but then that's still on his credit. But uh, but then I'm confused. So Ashley then FaceTimes Giselle, right, when she's out on her porch. Giselle brings up at one point. What's going on? Because I saw that Michael was like in the Bahamas with you. And Ashley's like, yeah, I mean, we went as co-parents, you know, as friends. What Friends? As co-parents, I can maybe understand because you have young children. But like as friends? That, that's so odd. It's so fucking odd. I don't. No, because um, if we're going as co-parents, you're on the opposite end of the resort. Um, we see each other for children exchanges, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Giselle then invites Ashley over to the house. She says, I think we need to have a moment with Robin to encourage. And then she stops herself and goes, I don't want to call her delusional. <laughs> I, w- I want to say, looking at her relationship from a different perspective. Like, but I, as much as Giselle, like, stops herself, I like that the amount of time she kind of says that Robin is delusional. Yeah. Like, it is, like, a sort of, like... I feel like Giselle was able to read the room a lot better than Robin is. And Robin's, like, doubling down. And Giselle's like, no. Giselle's like, pivot. Fucking pivot. The story didn't work. Yeah. Pivot. Yeah. Like, you know? Like, and Robin's just so committed to not. We cannot face plant this season again. Yeah. And, but this annoyed me. Giselle goes, the things that, and, and shows the hypocrisy, I feel. The things that Robin's going through, people don't make it onto the other side. So, yes, my concern for her mental health is huge. And I'm like, but you have no concern for any of the other people's mental health that you bring shit up about. Mm-hmm. Don't make it like, you, like, give me a fucking break. That's, that's bullshit. 
Um, Ashley says that her conversation with Juan, conversations with Juan in the past have not gone well, which we have seen, you know, the finger in the face of the restaurant and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't really have the best expectations. And then Ashley asks Giselle, what does she say when you ask her about like the relationship with this like girl in the laundromat and, and all that stuff? Um, Giselle goes, she says they're just friends. Juan always feels sorry for people and befriends people because he's a nice guy. And then Ashley just starts laughing. And goes, he's a nice guy. He's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and Giselle goes, I just want her to know, like, you look crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like when your friends aren't even buying your bullshit. Come on. Um, speaking of Giselle, though, we then go to, her, um, uh, what what does she call her residence? Bryant Giselle Hotel? Hotel Giselle. That's what it is. Everyone, okay. Everyone's got a name for it. It's <laughs> Apparently. Um, and what we see, the first glimpse of her new man, Jason. Uh, and they're making sushi at home. Jason from Winter House. That is a pretty man. He is very pretty and very smooth talking. Not smooth talking, I think, because that like puts a, a um, connotation on it. Yeah. But like he's very charming, I feel. And yeah. I actually like their relationship, at least in the scene. Oddly enough. Yeah. I'm shocked by that because I feel like I, I, th- I saw some people being like, this feels like a TV boyfriend that you're like putting yeah. out. And I get that because of like the age difference and like the also it's also a Bravo show and stuff like that. But like I actually you I feel like they have a they have more of a chemistry here than I saw with Juan and Robin in that last scene. Yeah. Like I think more than I ever saw with Ashley and Michael. Yeah. (laughs) Giselle going, you want me to stop dancing? And he's like, no, never. I'm like, said no one ever. Have you seen the TikToks? Like (laughs) Uh, we saw her dancing right there in the kitchen. We. mm -mm. Yeah. Giselle says he's a young, hot thing, a little tenderoni. <laughs> Jeez. Um, he's 16 years younger. She's 53. He's 37. Yikes. I think it's not. Here's the thing. I think it's better that he's still like the distance from her. The age difference distance from her kids makes me feel better. And the fact that her kids are close to going to college, I think it also changes it to a certain extent. It'd be yeah. one thing if it would be like. There was an expectation for him to raise those kids because they were young enough. Sure. That, I think, makes it weirder. But it also depends on how much younger those kids are. I feel like it's a little bit weirder the closer they are in age. Like, if her kids were adults already, yeah, that would be more weird to me than if they were young kids. Because, to me, I feel like there's this middle ground of... These kids aren't old enough to be his siblings, but aren't young enough to be his kids. Right. And I feel like that's that's the sweet spot. Because if they were old enough to be younger siblings, that would be weird. Very. Um, and she talks about, Giselle talks about how, you know, Grace is not someone who will give you an A in the beginning. You have to really work for it. And they, Grace is in the confessional and uh, they ask her about it. And she's like, he's an A for sure. Maybe like an A minus. <laughs> But the kid, the the kids seem to like him, and yeah. like even with like Angel in like the the scene where they're making sushi, like you can tell like she like finds him charming, yeah. and that and if, that's what I said in the beginning, which was like if the kids like him, fine, I'm fine, yeah, like because I think Giselle does deserve somebody, and I think yeah. especially like you know don't go back to Jamal clearly, oh no, but like. You know, and it was good to see Giselle in this light. Like, yeah. like you know, I, I yeah. Just I, light and fun and not, like, back to kind of what I originally 
thought of Giselle, you know, back at the beginning of Potomac of, oh, okay, so this is someone who's a little bit more just fun-loving and shady and, you know, that's kind of, instead of, you know, what we've got in the last couple of seasons. Right. Um, we then go to Mia uh, over with Gordon at their new apartment, um, which has been the big downgrade since their business was taken out from under them. Yep. She's like, square footage-wise, we went from 10000 almost eleven to about 1500 She's like, literally, my old closet space is now my new living space. So that's fun. <laughs> she's, yeah. She's clearly happy about that. Um, okay. So did you understand what they were talking about? In terms of this, because not really, I found it confusing in many regards, much like how Mia explained it at the reunion. Yeah, Gordon says that you know, I know it will eventually you know, like go to a court case, and he's like, I'm not going to walk away from like half a million dollars, you know, which that's what the company owes me. And then Mia explains, like, so back in September, Gordon was voted out of the family business for a reason that I'm still unsure of. And then she says, I no longer work as the marketing director for the company. And I was like, I thought you were the CEO. Wasn't that the whole? Uh huh. Wasn't that the whole story? Uh huh. Like that was your whole storyline that you were the CEO of this. Uh huh. Market. Okay. Um. Gordon goes, and uh, I didn't understand this. Gordon goes, all they said was that you know I was not listening and like that was it. You know it makes no sense to get rid of a CEO who has done nothing. The revenues of the company dropped and the value went down immediately. It was stupid to do that. Wait, so he was the CEO. He was, yeah. But, 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 but more than that, like, are, you're saying the revenue for the joint chiropractic went down because they got rid of you? What? Was it, were people like not going out of pro, what? That doesn't make any sense. Who cares that the, like, yeah. like, ugh, none of it makes sense. Gordon goes, we pivoted pretty quickly after our two or three months of woe, you know, woe is us and all that. And but Mia goes like, babe, you went through a depression. You sat on that sofa for two months. And then she goes, that was so hard for me to see. I didn't think I was going to make it through. I was like, that's a weird way to put like depression for another person. I didn't know if I was going to make it through. I get that. It's like, but like, no, like what? But also she's not even talking. It'd be one thing about like, I didn't know if I was going to make it through seeing you so upset. Cause it made me upset. She's she's talking about like, we need, we were, we were going to be homeless basically seemingly. I like, and then she's like, you, you, or Gordon goes, and then you like, you cussed me out a few times. And Mia's like, yeah, I mean, telling you to like, you know, get up off your ass and stuff like that. Gordon goes, yeah. Cause you thought it'd be done. You know, I had done something wrong. Tell the truth. And Mia goes, no, no, no. It's just like, I didn't know. And then we see the cut to what Giselle said at the reunion about like, it did look like it was like embezzlement. That had to. That had to, like him just being like, they fired me for no reason and I just didn't get an explanation. It makes more sense that you got fired because you were embezzling money. <laughs> yeah. Like, like again, I, 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 it's so suspicious and, and, and weird. Um, uh, what is it? So, uh, Gordon says, when we heard rumors, when we heard rumors of an audit, you got really concerned. I had the attorney and the accountant in the office to do their own audit. They go, oh, this looks so clean. You know, you kept asking me, what did you do? And Mia goes like, yeah, you know, because I was protecting my assets and my kids. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I love Mia basically being like, I don't fully, I, I know you're my husband, but like, I don't fully trust you. Like, so, like I didn't marry you because I loved you. I married you because you're rich. And she basically says that later in the season. We see that in the trailer. <laughs> like, so, uh, um, Mia's like, you know, I've been, been needing to make some lifestyle changes. And then she goes, you know, how do you feel about me like not drinking alcohol? And Gordon goes, um, I didn't know that you weren't. <laughs> Mia goes, I mean, we were at the beach and you said, did you want a cocktail? And I was like, no. And Gordon goes, but then you said you take a glass of wine. And Mia goes, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm drinking wine. <laughs> like, I, uh, it's like, girl, what are you talking about? I get that. Like, but also even if you weren't drinking wine, one time refusing alcohol does not equate to I am no longer drinking alcohol. Sure. That's fair. It's <laughs> Mia says that the last time she drank, she was too unfiltered with Karen at the finale party when she brought mm. up the whole like, you know, you the the waiter or whatever that restaurant or something that you got with and basically wants to talk to her to sort of fix things. Um, we then go to Candace and Chris who are having a picnic. Um, uh, I did not like Candace's headband that she was wearing. Like, it's such a minor thing, but like it's very Candace, though. It was like it's a little too three dimensional. It's like like girl, like. Is it a crown? I mean, fair. You know. Um, work. Give you your own crown. Um, Candace said that she got the preliminary budget for her tour that's coming up. And she goes, you know, just the band alone is like $50,000. And that doesn't include, like, everything else. I was really confused when Candace was describing this. She's like, I'm sure that I spent, like, over, like, six figures to go on tour last year. And the goal is eventually to make profit on, like, ticket sales and merchandise. How do you do that, though? When you spend six figures on the tour, I love Candace. She's not doing arenas. Yeah. Like she's going to like, she like did the tours for like city winery and stuff like that, which we missed the one in Pittsburgh. I wish we would have gone. Yeah. But like, those aren't like big venues. Like, and I don't, and she's not like, she's on her way up. I'm not saying that she needs to, you know, she should be in those big venues right now, but it's like, that does seem like you're spending way too much money in order to like, you know, do these concerts at the end of the day, if you're not, I don't see how you return that profit. Well, yes, but that also, if she's got enough money on the personal end to kind of bankroll the front end and get out there and do the touring and doing the stuff to get her name out there and get out there to the, like, if you can afford to do that, then that can like boost everything to where it starts making its own money. I guess she she says in her confessor like I have to go bigger this time. Costumes, hair, makeup, wigs, highlights, chicken cutlets, <laughs> boob tape, and then one boy just goes titties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Candace uh, talks to uh, Chris about like the Robin stuff, and she like. Says Eric Professional, I acknowledge that Robin was supportive. You know, where it starts to get muddy is when I'm seeing her in other situations where she's not so passionate. And then we see the clip of, I forgot her at the reunion saying, can we all agree that a man being in a hotel room with another woman never looks good? I literally can't believe that came out of her mouth. No, yeah. that happened. Like, that, uh, um, yeah. So she wants, Chris is like, I mean, you guys can have a conversation and maybe work it out. Um, we then go to Ashley and Sharice arriving at uh, Giselle's backyard and Ashley like going, having to walk backwards down that like slope that's like clearly unfinished still. 
Like, it was like two seasons ago that house was under construction. Like, okay, Giselle. Yeah. Um, Gis- Get just hit together. <laughs> Giselle said, tells them, like, you know, we've all been like in a similar situation, but I do think there is some delusion in what she's, go- you know, is going on with her life. Giselle specifically says, when I saw the pictures from the nail salon, I screamed and yelled and went off. And she just said, she doesn't care. I think she was numb to it, and that's something crazy. Like, the, like, yeah. You, <laughs> like, and, and that's going to be, I mean, it is in Robin's tagline, this whole I don't care bullshit, which is just, if this is going to happen the whole season, it's going to be real fucking great. You don't care because you're not in a real marriage. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you can't be mad that people are going to infer that based off of that. I don't know. Um, Robin waddles down um, <laughs> like uh, Ashley did. She's I was like, you're a special guest. And Robin goes, special guest? You just told me to come over. She's like, so the three of us love you. And so this is just like a little tough love. And Robin goes, tough love? What did I do? It was very, it was very intervention. Oh, <laughs> clearly. Um, Giselle's like, you know, this is an open forum to talk. And, and Ashley goes, when those things about the hotel broke, I messaged you and I was like, Robin, I know this is ludicrous. And as more things started coming out, there were things that sounded fishier. And I was like, did Robin tell me the truth? If you were being honest with me or, you know, I didn't know if you were even like being honest with yourself. Um, Ashley's like, I've been in that position where you have to defend your relationship and that's just not a comfortable place to be in. And I thought it was really, even though we've seen her already divorced, I thought it was interesting seeing Ashley vocalize that specifically where saying I covered for Michael. Yeah. Which we all knew. Yeah. But she really maintained it so heavily, like throughout and like committed, like, no, it's clear. Like he's not gay. He didn't touch that cameraman's butt. No, blah, blah, blah. Like he, like she was so ardent. So it was, it was relieving as a viewer to hear her say that. Yeah. That, you know, we weren't, it was very much like, we're not crazy. Yeah. Robin explains that, you know, so Brianna worked on Juan's staff. She goes, the laundromat story was a straight lie. It's unfortunate that people are out here pulling out, putting out blatant lies that they were hugged up, putting stuff in the washing machine. That didn't happen. It's like. You weren't there, Robin. You don't know. And also, they get Giselle hits it later where it's like, that's not the point, though. Like the point is not that they were having sex or making out or whatever. That's that you're like, take that element out of it. Um, Robin goes, you know, although Juan wasn't smart with communicating with the girl in Canada, he's not dumb enough to be anywhere in public being affectionate and physical with another woman. And but the the point the ladies are making is he shouldn't be out there with another woman, period, right now. Ashley's like, there is a sensitivity to the optics that I think is being missed. Robin goes, he told me, oh, I was going to the, I'm going to the nail salon. Brie was going to come by and say hi. Which also, like, you were going to come to the nail salon and then Brie was going to meet you? What? Again, don't let's not uphold masculinity. Maybe he just likes good, clean nails. Apparently, Um, I and she's like, I said, Juan, the block is hot, and he's like, okay, whatever. And then she's like, am I supposed to just like? And then Ashley interrupts and goes, yes, you're supposed to say something because he just made the mistake back in the hotel. Yeah, (laughs) just I was like, he's not thinking about how this is going to affect Robin, and Robin goes. So what do you want me to do? Get mad at him and scream and throw a shoe at him? Oh, my God. I can't believe you went to the nail salon with Brianna. 
at this point, I was like, Robin would be the worst person to be friends with. Yeah. Like this, this like she doesn't take any criticism it's, at all. Ugh. Robin goes, I'm not going to tell him to end his friendship and not do certain things that were fine before. At this point, I don't care. And Cherie says, you know, we're, at this point, we're talking about your joy, your happiness. Are you good? And Robin goes, my joy has been stolen because of all of this shit that has been piled on nonstop. And Giselle goes, but there's one person at the center of that. Yeah. Like, he like, and Robin goes, this is the thing. The world wants to tear us apart, right? Girl, the world ain't thinking about you like that. I like we're we're not that committed to tearing you guys apart. The world wants the truth. Yeah. And she goes, and yes, my joy has been taken, but it's not Juan's fault. And Giselle goes, it kinda is. It's Juan's fault. Juan was in the nail salon. Juan was in the laundry mat. Juan was in the hotel room. And Robin goes, Okay, bring it on. I don't give a fuck anymore. And it's just like Giselle's like, you don't have to act like this isn't bothering you. And Robin just goes, keep piling it on. You already stole my joy. Just keep piling, beating me up. It's like, shut up, Robin. Like, you're not the victim. Like, I mean, you are in a way, but you're not the victim if you, this is how you're going to maintain it. Right? Right. Like, I, this, I don't understand from a, again, if you're a PR fucking person. Yeah. This whiny shit is not going to fucking work, you know? Giselle goes, do you feel like we have your back? And Robin's like, all of this has been a pile on, and it's just cruel. Again, like, um, Charisse talks about how, like, yo, I wouldn't, you know, I w- she wouldn't be out like that, you know, with another woman. And Robin goes, so if Brianna was, like, big, fat, and ugly, would you care? And Giselle, Giselle goes, I would care. Because it's like, and also, I'm sure Brianna, your Juan's good friend, is like really excited to hear that. Like, but also, that you don't think she's attractive enough. Like, but also, like, why are we talking about, like, why does it matter how attractive this woman is? It doesn't. Like, it's, it's, it's a poor excuse. It's a poor fucking excuse. Sharice goes, Look, my ex had some boogers, honey, and I would have never thought he would stick his thing in those things, but he did. Yeah. I actually like Charisse also as well in this. Like, speaking from her sort of experience with, like, Eddie and stuff like that, she starts getting emotional. She goes, like, my heart hurts for you because it opens up a wound for me. I gave Eddie a thousand passes, and at the end of the day, I knew the truth. Robin goes, so are you saying I'm in denial and I'm making excuses? Charisse goes, with the girl in Canada, I kind of feel that. Watching you on that show out of New York, I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, can we not say Watch What Happens Live? That show out of New York. Especially because they literally cut to her on Watch What Happens Live. It's like, why are we acting like the world doesn't exist? Yeah, it's it's weird. I hate I hate when they do that. And then Al, she also specifically recounts, like, the barn scene, remember, when she told them, that, like, yeah, Michael said, like, he just fell asleep and, like, didn't have sex with that girl in Vegas, and I believe him. <laughs> like, you know, and everyone just being like, and even Robin at the time was being like, you yeah. believe that? And now you're in the same position, Robin, and you yeah. won't listen to sense. Ashley goes, knowing you for all these years, I don't feel like you're happy. And Robin goes, what do you mean? And Ashley goes, I mean, this really feels like a protect Juan campaign. Ashley was like spelling it out. Like, like, which is, which is fine if it is, but like at that point you just need to own it. Right. You need to go look like at the end of the day, I don't care what happened. I believe him and I am standing next to my husband. I can respect that stance. Yeah. 
I can't respect this. But, but then she goes, it's not. The woman in Canada, the story is crazy, right? He would not make up a crazy story. He would actually make up a better story. It's like... <laughs> I can't. I'm tired. Try something else. Robin goes, he shouldn't have been communicating with her. I found out. I was angry. I told him, get the fuck out. We worked through it. And Giselle goes, okay, wait, pause. <laughs> when you told him, get the fuck out, did he leave? And Robin goes, no. <laughs> it's like, fuck off. Like and Giselle goes but would you ever put him out like if there was another hotel receipt and Robin goes yes I would I don't believe that I don't believe that and Giselle's like I didn't believe that going in like she's like I'm happy you said that but I I don't me as a viewer I don't believe that at all yeah Giselle talks about how sometimes women get complacent and just take it. She goes, I don't want you to ever lose sight of you. I know the woman you are You are when you got divorced. You're a different woman now. I want you to put that woman first and make sure that he is respecting that woman. Yes. And, like, I, it felt real in, this, in that sense. Like, that yeah. Giselle has known Robin for so long. And, like, that, that made me feel, like, compelled for Giselle in that moment. Yeah. Um. Uh, Giselle goes, I think Juan makes up crazy, unbelievable stories so that Robin can say, it's so crazy, it's got to be true. I don't believe it, but it doesn't matter what I believe, it matters what Robin believes. Right. And at the end of the day. And I think Giselle, for the most part, was being a good friend here, even you know, in spite of what she had to work yeah. with. Cherise goes, you seem defensive. Uh, Robin goes, I'm not defensive. I just don't think I'm saying what you want to hear. Like, fuck Juan. I can't believe he did that shit. And Ashley and Cherise go, no, we don't want to hear that. Giselle goes, I'm okay with you saying that. <laughs> Robin goes, you want me to still be angry? You want me to get a divorce? And Giselle goes, what does Robin want to do? And Robin goes, I want to keep living and get through this. And it's like, I guess. Like, it... You know, but here's the thing. You're going to, you're not just, you're going to have to keep answering for this because the other side of this friend group ain't going to let you off that fucking easy. Yeah. And deservedly so. So here's my read on this whole situation. Yeah. Robin knows the truth. Giselle knows the truth. I mean, obviously. Ashley and Sharice do not. Okay. All they know is what is being told to them. Giselle is ardently against Robin and Juan still being together. And that's why she's orchestrated this thing. That's an interesting... I saw some... I feel like I saw some of, like online about how Giselle's never really liked Juan. Like, not like, really. Like, not, not maybe not like, di like hated him, but like didn't think that he was right for, for Robin. Right. Which I kind of agree with to a certain extent. So I feel like she's kind of put this together as a... Look, I know that this story is bullshit. I know he cheated on you because you've told me he cheated on you, but I can't tell these other hoes that. Right. And I can't tell these cameras that. But I feel like I still have good enough grounds to have this intervention. So we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 yeah. I, I think that needs to be analyzed maybe a little bit more because we don't really, I, I think I, if I was like Andy Cohen, I would be like, Giselle, what do you actually think of their marriage? Yeah. Like, like that would be a, my first question. Um, well, and we've only had one episode. We'll see how it develops. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that there's a little bit of a rift that's going to form between Robin and Giselle, I which could, I'm fine with that. Oh, I'm fine. It's, it's kind of needed. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but we'll see how that plays out. Good first episode of Potomac. Um, really excited to see how the season progresses. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, much. Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling land. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery, concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com Welcome back to Again is Envy. Let's head on over to Utah where the girls take a sound bath that clearly wasn't calming anyone down on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This episode, we were like, we were mouth agape in the last like 20 minutes of this. Like absolutely stunned. Mon- we said it before, but like I can defend, like Monica is a fucking star. Like I, I've never, clearly, I have never seen somebody bring it and like own an OG like this, like Monica has. Like, when we get to the when we get to the fight with the sound bath thing, it's like it's stunning how good she was in that. Oh yeah, and like the way she's just sort of dominating everything, and to to the point where literally everyone has like apparently iced her out on the cast. Like no one was like apparently like photographing with her at BravoCon. She had to do like her own press and stuff like that. Like she like, and like this whole stuff that came out about like Beauty Lab suing her for like dodging a bill and now she's like countersuing that they fucked up her lip injections. Well, and apparently dodging a bill, like the, the tea that I've seen come out recently is that it's been through like using fake names. Oh yeah. 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 It's like, girl, it's like, she really is Jen Shaw, but better. Like, yeah. Like Jen Shaw. Here's the thing. Jen Shaw couldn't fight like Monica fights. Oh no. She's actually really like, when you look at back, Jen Shaw's actually really bad at fighting. Yeah. Like, Monica just like nails it every single time and she has the girls spinning. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but we do get some softer sides to her, like in this first scene. So Monica goes to get dessert with Angie. Um, and Angie, like, you know, it's looking to make peace with Monica. She brings her like a book for her children. And she's like, it's just about, you know, loving yourself and asking for help when you need it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, she's like, I feel bad about Monica, you know, how you left Greek Easter and Monica's like, I hate that it went so badly for me. Like telling you what was being said about you 
was my way of being a best fr- a friend to you about the whole rumor thing, which I can't believe Monica's even like still explaining this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then Angie's like, I understand that Meredith was the one dropping the threats, but Lisa's telling me that you were the one doubling down by saying, well, yeah, even people are saying he's good in bed. And yeah, he is good in bed, like in my bed, but not in someone else's bed. It's like, <laughs> like we get it, Angie. He's not gay. <laughs> like, I mean, we get it that he is, but also we get what you're saying. Yeah. She goes, that hurt me. And I felt like, why would she do that? And Monica goes, I didn't do that. <laughs> I did say something about boyfriends, but I never said anything about his performance. And then we see the flashback. I do think it could have been kind of misinterpreted because Monica does yeah. say he has boyfriends running around the city bragging about their sex. Yeah, but it seems more like that was her saying that they were bragging about having sex with him, not that they were bragging about how the sex with him was so good. Yeah, sure. And also, but it's like, if you're mad that she's saying, I think Angie's just mad that she's saying there are definitive men who are saying this, which she which, wasn't clearly the, the implication is that that is the rumor. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Monica goes, I feel like whatever Lisa says to you is doctrine. I'm not going to attack your relationship with her, but it's very damaging when she tells you things that were said that were not said. My intent was never to cause harm. And then Angie goes, and you know what? That's where we need to end it. I have to, you know, and they kind of get to a good place in that regard. She's like, I'm not going to, you know, get on you for that anymore. Like, I'm going to believe you. Um, Angie goes, you know, we were, you know, we're sitting down now. We're not raising our voices. And that's all I really wanted to do on Easter. Like when your daughters walked out there, I was devastated for the girls. And Monica goes, that was the most family thing that my kids have done in years. And she like, thanks Angie for like, doing it for like setting up the kids table and all that stuff. I found it odd that they weren't talking about all the alleged stuff that they're throwing out on Twitter now about how like Monica fell down the stairs and like Angie and Monica threw her shoe and hit like Angie's niece or whatever. Well, and that to me also like, if you're not talking about it, then did it happen? Yeah. I'm confused or, or maybe it was a, we're just going to squash it. It wasn't on camera. Let's not bring it up. Sure. Maybe th- maybe it's that. Monica talks about how, you know, it wasn't until after her affair that her mom would start to come around, like, for the holidays. Like, that was, it, it wasn't until after that. And that, even though she did, it would usually end up in a fight. And after every holiday, I would be like, why did I invite her? Like, so, and yeah. she kind of lays out to Angie, like, more sort of, like, the stuff with her mom and stuff like that. And she's like, I think it's natural that we love our family members, even not at their best moments. And then Angie confides in Monica about how her mom was an alcoholic and she died when she was eight. And that I never really had an opportunity to have a mother, like, be a part of my life. She's like, I, you know, when I was becoming a young woman, I would have loved that role model to sort of raise me. Um and Monica's like, you know, it's interesting. Like, we talk about our children, but, like, we've never discussed our moms and the commonality of that. Angie goes, you do, not, you do not need to recreate what you hated. I'm here for you. And Monica goes, I appreciate that, and I'm sorry about everything. And I actually liked how this conversation went, and I actually – I liked Angie in this conversation. Yeah. This was all kind of Angie's best episode in certain ways. She didn't mention that she was Greek. No, no, yeah, Lisa didn't did, come up Lisa at all. did later. Yeah. But it was that's more on Lisa. But like she didn't mention it and like I felt bad for Angie at the end of this, like in the whole yeah. dynamic that was happening. I mean, it wasn't like 
I think it should tell Angie, like, I think Angie's been, we've joked about, like, her looking for her moment and stuff mm-hmm. like that to, like, sort of, like, as to where Monica just does it so easy. And I'm like, befriend Monica and let her be your attack dog yeah. to fucking do all that shit. And you can just run it, you know, yeah. from behind. Like, that's better than you, like, kind of stumbling, like, in the way that you do. Um, Whitney uh, is having Lisa over to the house to paint tiki torches. Um, for Bobby's uh, party because it's like luau roller steam. I just, I can't with the tiki torches anymore. They've been ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Whitney goes, how did you fit these in your car? And Lisa goes, it was a mini miracle. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm glad, I'm of course Lisa's the one with the tiki torches. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Whitney's stressed because she has two events basically in like quick succession. She has Bobby's party and then she has her event for her prism jewelry line um thing that she's doing they're like a in, right one after the other um lisa goes wow like 13 like that's a big number and whitney's like i know she's definitely not a little girl anymore and i wanted mary to like pop in from the side of the house and go little girl <laughs> it was right there the joke was right there guys and then so also whitney says that she's gifting bobby a golf cart which I found, like, is this something, like, she expressly, like, said that she wanted? Maybe. That sounds, I mean, seeing Bobby this episode, which I, I, I found Bobby really hilarious, like, that does seem like the kind of, like, random thing that she would say that she would want. It is strange for a 13-year-old. Well, even Whitney says, like, giving Bobby this golf cart was a huge debate between Justin and I. A 13-year-old flying around on a golf cart, there's no doors, there's no seatbelts, there's no airbags. But on the flip side, she can help me get Brooks to and from school. She can run errands and she can be my personal Uber. I'm like, does, is, does Whitney not know that you can't take like a golf cart and like a road? <laughs> it, it might be that they, the school is within their gated community because that happens a lot with like elementary schools. Maybe, yeah. So, and a lot of those gated communities, especially if they are golf course gated communities, you absolutely can drive golf carts around those communities. Yeah. Uh, Whitney tells Lisa that she probably won't invite Mary to Bobby's party. And she goes, I don't want to open her up to saying mean things around my kids. I'm like, it's, it's crazy to say that, but like, you're right. Like, you know, I would not be shocked if Mary like fucking yelled at Whitney that she was a bobblehead at this party. (laughs) Absolutely. I would not put it past her. And then Whitney goes, the last time Mary was around my kids, it wasn't the best visit. And then they flash back, and I forgot about the, I just came back from a funeral. One of our permissioners, her daughter flew out the sunroof and fell down 30 feet off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) And then her daughter's like, was she okay? No. (laughs) (laughs) Whitney goes, I think my kids are still scarred. (laughs) <laughs> I uh, don't. How did Mary have children? It's just like uh, um, Whitney says that she's inviting Monica uh, and her girls, and Whitney tells uh, Lisa, "I talked to her. She's in a very abusive situation with her mom." And then we see this flashback to Monica like getting with Whitney on like some ski slopes and just like viscerally crying about it, like yeah. just sort of like about it. And then this is where Lisa starts to have her really terrible episode. This was a bad episode. If you're a Lisa Barlow fan, oh, it's so bad. It was rough for the baby gorgeouses. She immediately, as soon as Whitney says this, Lisa goes, I love when things are conveniently abusive. And Whitney goes, 
what do you mean? <laughs> like Whitney's like, oh God. <laughs> like you could tell on her face, she's like, Lisa. She goes, you know what? You could be abused and also be abusive. If your mom's so horrible, fucking make changes. I don't think she's sincere in anything. So it seems like a convenient time to have this huge issue with your mother. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so tone deaf and bad. It's like, uh, like, like it, it, what's funny is there are some words in there that are correct. Like you can be abused and be abusive. That is correct. You can. In what way is Monica being abusive? I mean, you're being abusing to me saying I wanted to fly on a jet with Snoop Dogg. Like that's abusive. Like, come on. It's like, <laughs> what? Lisa doesn't like Lisa has this hard on for Monica. That is like insane to me. Whitney goes, really? And Lisa goes at this point. I don't really value anything that she says. Wow. Whitney has to go, Lisa, if you've been in, a in an abusive relationship, you don't understand how, if you haven't been, you don't understand how hard it is to even recognize that abuse is there. And Lisa goes, but like, you're bringing this on yourself. <laughs> stop, 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 stop talking. She goes, the way she treated her mother was horrible. And this destructive conversation that she's having about Sean and Angie's marriage has nothing to do with her mother. And it's like, oh, so feel bad for me. I don't feel bad for her. And all this, and for her to bring up this, com like this destructive conversation you're having with Sean and Angie's marriage. I'm pissed at Whitney. Whitney needs to speak up and say, I told Monica to tell me what the rumor was. Like, I just, I, uh. Your trauma is not an excuse for you to treat all of us like shit. And it's definitely not an excuse to go spread a rumor about your friend. It's like. I'm tired. It's, 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 you're going to get, it's, it's more exhausting later. It's really bad. Um, we see Heather getting cocktails uh, with Meredith. Also, this that bright red pantsuit that Meredith was wearing was kind of a serve. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked that. Um, Heather goes, what do you think about Jack's mission? And Meredith goes, I didn't realize it was seven days a week, 365 days a year. Did, did you think he was going to go to, like... What? Well, I forget. I forget that Meredith is not like super intense in like Mormonism. Cause, well, like, yeah, because she's Jewish. Yeah, so so I mean, she like she wasn't raised in it, but it was like, I did you think that it was like he would go punch a time clock at a <laughs> like fly to and from Columbia? Yeah, it's just it's fine. Lee, uh, Heather goes. Poor Jack Barlow, he has to go out and preach Mormonism by the book, and I don't think that's what he was raised in. I mean, according to Lisa, he was raised in East Coast Mormon, which I don't think that, I don't know if that translates. Mary goes, wait, there's East Coast versus West Coast? And Heather goes, no, she says that she has, you know, a cool bishop so she can wear strapless dresses and, you know, sell tequila. I just, I, I still want to understand what's happening inside Lisa Barlow's head. They then cut to a flashback from the Heather and Lisa uh, argument at the, at Greek Easter. And I love, at one point, Lisa turns to John, who's sitting at the table and goes, John, would I wear this to church? Would I wear this to church? Right. And J they cut to John. John is dead behind the eyes. And he's just like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. John said I would wear it to church. See, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Heather goes, Lisa's brand of Mormonism doesn't exist. It's like someone took a hot glue gun and put together two interlocking C's and called it Chanel. 
Wow. I mean, she's not wrong, though. Like, I'm team Heather on this. Yeah. I don't understand Lisa's Mormonism at all. Heather goes, it's a hard, but Heather is honest in her confessional. She goes, it's a hard pill for me to swallow because Lisa gets to be as nuanced of a Mormon as she wants, but I'm invalidated and excluded and no longer welcome in the community. And I can understand that frustration. Yeah. Especially when we've seen this season, like, her kids are getting bullied for, like, you know, her stuff and stuff like that. And, like, that is frustrating. Like, you know, that, you know, when you see someone just sort of like trance around, like, you know, feeling as though they can operate in this system that, you know, when. Well, but that's going to get a little preachy here. That's how all brands of Christianity work. Sure. Like, I have never been in a Christian church that wasn't very much a some sins are fine as long as we don't talk about them and other sins will get you ostracized right that's fair it's like i i need y'all to chill the fuck out yeah i mean i'm different i grew up episcopal and like they're pretty chill on most stuff so it's like and i grew up evangelical and that's different (laughs) and that is different (laughs) Um, heather asked you know how meredith's doing after skiing and meredith goes I do understand the concern about there being a fight at her daughter's party. I mean, that's very fair and and legitimate. So I'll bring her a gift. I'll wish her a happy birthday and dip. And Heather goes, French exit. It'll be great. You don't even have to text her. I was like, is it a French exit? Like I, I've never heard of a French exit. I always, I just know it as an Irish goodbye. Yeah. Irish goodbye. But that, you know, has no bearing on like when you leave. That's just leaving without notice. Yeah. That's fair. Um, we go to Whitney and Bobby getting their makeup done for Bobby's party. Bobby was really cute here. She's, she's like, can I talk, though? I've never done lip liner. And she's, like, <laughs> trying to not move her mouth. And Whitney's like, no, you can talk, sweetie. <laughs> like, it's fine. But she's also, like, making these weird, like, fish lip things. Like, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Stop it. Her seeing her makeup liner and going, oh, my God, I have eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah. And then, oh, my God. They show, like, Whitney's, like, rep, like being like, I can't believe she's 13 and all that stuff. And they show this old photo of Whitney and Justin with Bobby as a baby. That did not, what happened to Whitney? Like That was not Whitney. That was, like. That was, like, her second cousin. That was some good work that she's had done, I would uh-huh. say. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh-huh. Heather is uh, wrapping presents with her girls for the party, and she decides to call Angie to see, like, who's coming. Um, Angie goes, you know, I've only talked to Lisa today. And Heather is like, oh, is Jack coming? Uh, Angie goes, he is. Did you hear the good news that he's going to Columbia for his mission? Yeah, like, he, Lisa did this whole announcement yesterday at her little brunch. And Heather's like, wait, she did an announcement? And then we cut, like, she did, like, a brunch with, like, Whitney and Justin and, like, Angie and Sean and, like, the family. So basically, like, her, like, core in the friend group. And I kind of, and Heather's offended by this. And she's like, you know, an intimate gathering of, like, her best supporters. And she's like, oh, Heather, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, like, you know. And I I actually don't think Angie meant it bad. Honestly, that Angie going, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was the most real I've seen Angie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there she is. (laughs) You're in there. There, there's a human in there. Let, let's get more of this. Yeah. Heather is like, you're loosey-goosey about Mormonism until it comes to excluding me. And then you're a soldier to the gospel, apparently. Yeah. And I, Lisa explains it later. I'm kind of with Lisa's side on this. I don't think it's like, I think you're a heathen. 
Like, I don't think, I think that's Heather, how Heather's interpreting it, but I actually don't think that's what it is. Sure, but the, the end result is the same. So it's like, oh, I don't think you're a heathen. I'm ostracizing you for a different reason. Right. So it's like, oh, okay, but you're still othering me. Yeah. You're still excluding me from life events, and we're supposed to be friends. Like, I don't. And I think it's also, like, you shouldn't be worried that, like, what, I'm going to, like, bring up that I hate this to Jack at this, like, dinner. I don't think Heather would do that. I nobody's asking if you know if anyone has any objections. Speak now or forever hold the peace. And I'm jumping up in the back of the room, going "fuck you, don't go to Columbia." Yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. not it's not happening. Yeah, um, Whitney takes Bobby and all of her friends on this like party school bus that they've like converted out into like one of the basically like a party spreader van essentially. Yeah, it's like if Whitney if it was Whitney party, there would be like a stripper pole in there. Uh, yeah, um, and they go to this like roller skating wink. Uh, Meredith is because they were like Luau's like theme, but it's also like dur- like roller skating. Like Angie's was more like roller skating look uh-huh. versus that. Meredith is literally just wearing a bikini top with a blazer. Like it's like which I guess fine if you're not staying for long. Then I guess so. I I know, but it's like this is a children's party. My favorite part also was Lisa like talking to people. It's like, look, we painted those tiki torches together. Hold on, I gotta spin this one. It's bothering me. And then, like, has to readjust the, like, of course, even if it's when it's not her party, Lisa's, like, set dressing everything. Yeah. Um, Lisa and Angie are just, like, spinning around on the, on roller skates. And she goes, We're like little Greek dancers without the cash. I'm like, Lisa, no. Angie was doing so good this episode. Also, that didn't make any sense. Like, what? You're just rollerblading. <laughs> like, Greek dance. No. Stop. Um, Angie tells Lisa basically how it came up uh, to Heather that Jack was going to Columbia. And Lisa goes, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, you didn't have to tell her that. <laughs> Lisa goes, inviting Heather to Jack's mission brunch didn't make sense to me. She made it very clear at Greek Easter that she doesn't think it's a good idea that Jack's going on a mission. I don't want this non-invite to become a big deal. And I, like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, I, I think it was, you know... I don't think it was as malicious as Lisa can normally be. <laughs> and will That's be this fair. episode. <laughs> um, Meredith decides to eventually duck out. And Heather and Monica are talking. Heather goes, Lisa didn't come over here. Are you guys good now? And Monica goes, literally, ever since I said she was materialistic, she's ignored me, basically. <laughs> Which, yeah, fair. <laughs> Heather goes, how much have you talked about your relationship with your mom with Lisa? And Monica goes, I don't talk to Lisa at all, actually. And Heather goes, why would she know anything about your relationship with your mom? And Monica goes, I have no idea. Heather says, well, Whitney said that she thinks that your relationship with your mom is embellished and that you're exaggerating it for attention. <laughs> Good bone carry by Whitney. I love, I love how she was. And, and Heather. And Heather. I love how Heather was just like, okay, we're going to lay the groundwork here. Like, this is why this bone matters. She shouldn't know anything about so she should not have your name in her mouth. Perfect. Got it. Here we go. <laughs> Monica goes, I feel like Lisa is obsessed with me. My name stays in her mouth like choke on it. I mean, I can't imagine being middle-aged and so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. She keeps bringing up this middle-aged thing later. Where it's like, yeah. She, Monica says, I'm trying so hard 
to remember that this is a little girl's birthday party and I don't want to be the auntie that's like turned up and like fighting at this party. Yeah. Um, Lisa then rolls up on them and goes, Woo! Hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Heather just immediately... I felt like she was sent over by a producer. Oh, had to have been. <laughs> Heather goes, Whitney told me that you think that Monica is embellishing the issues with her mom. And Lisa goes, wait, what? <laughs> it's so fucking... Oh, it's so bad. And then Lisa just eventually goes, it was a snarky comment. That's all it was. Just a snarky comment. <laughs> Lisa goes, like, I was excited to meet your mom and your girls at Easter. I thought it was a disaster. Monica goes, it was a total disaster. You're correct. <laughs> Lisa's like, I feel like she was trying to, like, smooth things over. And Monica goes, my mom was very charming and charismatic and nice. And so was Ted Bundy. <laughs> Which... Lisa harps on later in this episode and throughout. And did you see her tweeting like, you know, I I have the facts, I have the receipts, and then she put up like the Wikipedia page of like Ted Bundy, and it's like Lisa, we know who Ted Bundy is. We're, like it's a it's something called a figure of speech <laughs> that Monica she, is doing. Well, and she was yeah, it's she wasn't saying her mom is Ted Bundy. Nobody thinks her mom has you know a cult that she runs off to this. That's Mary. That's Mary, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I'm not positive that she hasn't killed some people, because after that fight in the last episode, like... Um, she goes, my mom has two sides. She's very abusive. My kids don't even want to be around her. Lisa goes, why didn't you bring her to Easter then? Monica's like, it's an up and down thing. Uh, Lisa's like, I was just wondering, you know, if your mom, like, helps with your kids, like, if she's present in their life. And Monica goes, you want to ask them? Lisa goes... No, I don't want to ask your kids. Like, I'm not going to ask a child. And Monica goes, well, because I feel like you don't believe anything that I say. Maybe you need to hear it from a fucking five-year-old. That was such a good lie. It was so, like, she was so in her, like, Monica was so in her power. Yeah, like, it was so good. Lisa goes, Monica, I don't want to have this, like, negative, like, raising voices conversation. Monica goes, who's raising their voice, Lisa? It, it, it was, that was a little dog whistly, I felt. Like, yeah. Monica definitely was not raising her voice at that point. Lisa then, as Monica's talking, turns to, turns to Heather and goes, my perception of the situation? And Monica goes, just like my mom. Did you see that? Just what you did. When I went to dinner with my mom and she didn't like what I was saying, she talked to a plant. And we see the clip of it. And she literally just, like, breaks and is just talking to this, like, decorative plant on the... I, I, what? And then Heather's like, I guess I'm a plant. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> am I the plant in this situation? It's better than being Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa goes, I'm not interested in having these erratic, crazy conversations. Maybe you're more like your mom than you think you are. Maybe you're the exact same person. And I'm not interested. <laughs> and then rolls off and Monica goes, bye, 50-year-old wannabe. Skate away. <laughs> so good. Stay on her neck. Lisa's ranting to Angie. And she goes, she wants to be me. She wishes she could have what I have. That's why she carries fake Chanel. <laughs> It's like just digging at her fucking wealth. Like, uh, um, also brief, brief point, uh, Dana shows up for like two seconds. They don't even give her like a title card. Like, but you can see her like rollerblading at one point. She's definitely at this party. Who? Dana from last season. Remember who like was, had the friend that was the informant, the friend of with Angie K who got into it with Jen Shaw in the finale being like, 
You're going to need some money for your oh, fucking books. the one that... You totally forgot who she was. No, yes, completely did. But she's the one that got the edit in the preview that never ended up on the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Bobby uh, blows out the candles, and then they reveal, like, her golf cart that they give there. Also, there was a kid who was, like, holding the um, birthday cake um, who when she was blowing out the candles, whose face was beat um it was it was like is that i was like james charles i was literally like it looked like james charles i was like very progressive for utah okay but also (laughs) really why are we platforming him uh sure um lisa uh goes i to um heather goes i just want to tell you i'm not excluding you from anything and heather goes missionary announcement brunch really I love that Heather's basically essentially like those are like my three favorite things <laughs> like announcements or like the three things I'm the most maybe the expert in not my favorite things <laughs> going on missions announcements and brunch I guess Lisa's like it's a fine balance because you're on your own journey Heather's like I get it and then Jack comes up and like Heather congratulates her <laughs> or congratulates um Jack I shouldn't say Heather goes felicidades because uh, he says he's going to Colombia and Lisa goes she speaks French <laughs> girl are you crazy <laughs> like, uh, I don't what like context clues Lisa Jesus also, that's not French. <laughs> Heather's like, I can be supportive of her as a mother and as a friend, even if I disagree with the concept of the mission. And it's like, that's the thing. Like, just like, you know, that part you can separate. Oh, my God. So then the next day, Lisa's at home with John in their bedroom. Lisa's like, I'm still decompressing from this ridiculous weekend. And John's like, so what happened with you and Monica? Lisa just goes, she's crazy. Like, honestly, it was like so weird. She seems miserable and jabby every time I'm around her. She just starts spewing like crazy stuff. And then John like starts to say like, yeah, I mean, and then she goes, she equated her mother to Ted Bundy. And I was, and I said, you know, I said, I was like her mother. She's impossible to talk to. And when we were leaving, I saw Angie having a full conversation with Monica and she's not being honest with me about her relationship with Monica. And if they're fine, great. But don't tell me that you're not. <laughs> and Jack or John's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And also her being like, Angie's not being honest and say, like, don't tell me that you're not good with her and then, like, be have a conversation with her. And then they flash back to this evidence of that. And it's just Lisa again ranting being like she were she's spending rumors about your marriage and she's saying this and it's not a friendly thing it just really isn't and i just don't trust her she's like mean and she's like a bitch and she's like you know all these terrible things and she's it's just like it's not nice and angie just goes i'm with you and that's the evidence that lisa has that like angie doesn't like monica <laughs> like have you noticed that lisa when she's upset she rambles like a five-year-old yeah it's 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 she doesn't she doesn't have an off switch like no she really does not and like no. so then john then starts like talking and she gets a text from whitney at this point and then as john's talking lisa's just texting and just scrolling and we just hear the texting sound effects and john just goes got it he basically just backs out of the room he's like i guess good luck you know if you need to you know, you know like bounce anything off of me like feel free and She's just in her phone. Just like full. Well, she did the same thing on the premiere. Remember with the party? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the car. It's like, I, how does, I, I feel bad. John, blink, if, blink two times if you need, if you need help. Cause like, it's like, 
It's yeah. really bad. Um, Heather, uh, we see her getting her daughter Georgia ready for her prom. Um, and she's talking about like um, how Georgia is getting sort of her first boyfriend that's without the restraints of like the purity culture of Mormonism. Right. He's Muslim, which is like a big deal. Um, she's like, she actually likes this guy. And <laughs> Heather telling her story of, I had a boyfriend for a year and we didn't make out lying down for like nine months. We did once and then he called me and said, we were never doing that again. <laughs> That's, I just, I can't. I almost, I mean, I feel bad for Heather whenever she shares these stories because it's clearly like a lot of like trauma and stuff like that, but they end up being really funny, you know, even though. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's sweet. And, you know, I, I, you know, it was a cool little moment. Um, we then go to Whitney's uh, pop-up shop for Prism. Angie walks in in a fucking, in a Mugler dress. So it's the Mugler bodysuit, but as like a short, like cocktail dress. I hate it just as much as I hate the 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 bodysuits. Can we just stop with the bodysuits? Like bodysuits with something else, but no more bodysuits just by themselves. Yeah, no. I'm done with it. No, it's terrible. Lisa goes, How do you feel about last night? And Angie goes, I mean, it was a kid's birthday part. And then mid sentence Lisa goes, I was having the best time. And then like I felt irritated, like, ugh, like I'm done. <laughs> uh Angie goes, so after you left, the conversation continued with Monica. She was saying that Lisa, you know, doesn't want to believe that I'm in an abusive relationship. Lisa's like, I don't know what kind of relationship she's in. I saw them for two hours at your house on Easter. And Angie goes, well, and I mean, look at her mom. And Lisa goes, let me talk for a second, Ange. And like cuts her off. I was like, oh, wow. Like, you're just like, like, get off the hamster wheel. Like, Yeah, she's on something. What I saw in your house was someone treat their mother poorly. I made a judgment call. I would never treat my mother like that. She has an issue with me. Let me finish, Ange. She has an issue with me. It's like, wow. All, all, and Angie goes, all we can go off is her word. And Lisa goes, okay, and I'm going off her actions. She's obsessed. It's crazy. So then Monica arrives. And Angie goes to Lisa, I had your back last night. And Lisa goes, I need a drink. Like, this is boring. Like, and walks off. She's so, Angie, like, I don't, or Lisa, I don't get why Lisa's, like, so angry already. Like, it's like, like, nothing has happened, Lisa. Calm down. Um, Angie says hi to Monica then at the bar. And you just see Lisa in the back, like, looking annoyed. Like, being like, oh, God, she's talking to her. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's mental. Yeah. It's really the reverse of the Meredith Angie situation. Like, Lisa clearly wants Monica iced out at this point. Yeah. Um, Monica, or Angie goes, last night I was overwhelmed. I feel like I'm in between you and Lisa right now. And Monica goes, but that's on Lisa. I'm not telling you to do that, by the way. Yeah. And she's like, you guys, I mean, you guys both went really low last night. And Monica goes, but I feel like you're the ones that keep bringing it up. I've been here for like five minutes and it's already coming to me, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Like I haven't done anything yet. And then, oh my God. So then Lisa then sits with Whitney at a table and uh, Lisa goes, I know you have a lot going on. Like, Anne just came up to me and said some crazy stuff. And Whitney goes, I really need to go give a speech. (laughs) Like, yeah. And Lisa's face was like, okay, I guess it was like, she was so bothered. It was so. Whitney goes up to do her speech and starts talking. Angie Angie goes to meet with Lisa, and she's telling Monica, come on, come over here. And Monica goes, hurry, go. She's pulling you away. Lisa comes up and goes, Monica, chill the fuck out. 
Monica's like, you're so bothered with me. I love it. And so the, uh, this is what it just spirals. I had to write everything because it was like so much stuff that was happening. Monica goes, oh, look, she's getting hot. Like, like talk to Lisa and Lisa goes, I'm not interested. You bore me. And then literally tries to pull Angie away from the table. And Angie's like, don't walk away. Don't walk away, Lisa. Like, she's like being like, don't you're not. No, stop, Lisa. It's like dealing with a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Lisa goes, somebody needs attention. And Monica goes, that would be you. <sighs> Lisa goes, we're here for Whitney right now, so knock it off. Monica goes, you're not my mother. And then Lisa goes, no one wants to be her mother, clearly. Wow. You were like, you were, you were like. I was furious. <laughs> it's so mean. It's so mean. It's like. It reminded me of. The comments about Kenya's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from Marlo. Yeah. It was it was nasty. Here's the thing. What happens after this, they're both kind of unrelenting. But I give Monica the pass after that comment, right? Yeah. Like, I, I fully do. Winnie then starts to do her speech and is talking. And Monica, like, whispers to Angie, goes, she has, like, the best legs. Angie goes, yeah, like, all of them. <laughs> Making, like, a joke about how long they are, I guess. It's yeah. Like, whatever. Lisa goes, don't be fake as fuck, whispering. <laughs> She's not. She's fine with Whitney. Look, why? Lisa in her confessional. Monica is just like a little vampire fueled on negative energy. Like, give me a problem and I'll fucking feed on it. She's like horrible. I'm like, you're literally describing yourself right now. You don't even know it. And, but she's also just making shit up at this point. Like, Monica was complimenting Whitney's legs. I just cannot. I don't. I. I oh my! She's literally like on crack or something. <laughs> at this, it point. feels like it. It really. She's so antsy. Monica or Whitney's explaining in her speech like the the healing aspect of this um <laughs> this line. Monica goes, maybe that's what we need. And Angie goes, I need to get my chakra shit together. Lisa then gets annoyed and just starts pulling away and Angie tries to stop her and she goes, don't touch me. Don't touch me. If, that, if that's where you want to go, I can't have your back on that, Ange. It's like... <laughs> I wouldn't have even... I, if I was Angie at that moment, because she's giving a speech, I would have just let her go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... Angie was definitely trying to ride this too hard. She, Angie needed to give up yeah. you know, multiple times during this. When he's like, okay, now let's all get ready to enjoy a sound bath. So it's like everyone's quiet for the sound bath. Monica tells Angie, like, are you okay? And Angie goes, no, I'm not okay. Lisa's like, why? Why are you not okay? Angie's like, I don't want to be in the middle of this. Lisa goes, you're not in the middle of anything. Like normal speaking, not whispering, like normal speaking voice. Yeah. Angie's like, you're both going low with each other. And, and, and Lisa's like, what did I say that was low? Nothing. I didn't jab at you one time. And Monica goes, you did. I mean, like everything you said to Whitney. <laughs> like. Yeah. But also just like what you just said about uh -huh. no one wants to be my mom. Um, they then start the sound bath. So then this is when the sound bath starts. Lisa's whispering. Lisa, like, they're trying to, like, be quiet. But Lisa's just getting annoyed that she didn't get the last word in. Lisa's like, I said, based on my assessment, you don't treat your mother nicely. And Monica goes, well, you don't know about my situation, Lisa. 
<laughs> they, pa- they pause again, and Lisa goes, well, based on what I saw, you weren't nice to your mother. And, and, and Angie, or, uh, Monica goes, well, based on what I see, you like your minions. And you're threatened by people wanting to take them. Stop putting Angie in the middle. Which, like, exactly yeah. is the case. Lisa goes, she's not in the middle. You talked about her marriage. I took her side. It's not that deep, Monica. And, like, it's vi- they're whispering, but it's like. Yeah, it's whisper shouting. And Whitney goes, Lisa Barlow. Shh. <laughs> Lisa's like, oh, fine. Monica goes, like, Lisa. And Mo- Lisa goes, listen, I want to enjoy the sound bowl. Excuse me. And then walks off. Monica goes, yes, go ahead. Old people need it. <laughs> Angie goes, okay, Monica, that's fucking low because I'm older than Lisa. And then, like, Angie says this. Lisa then, go- after she's left, right? She's about to leave. Lisa then comes back and goes, Monica, she's older than me. So is Meredith. So is Heather. And Monica goes, yeah, but you wear it. <laughs> I was gagged. That's. <laughs> I like to be natural. I don't look like the Pillsbury Dough Girl. Sorry. What? <laughs> Monica goes, oh, are you saying that about your friend? And Lisa goes, I think you're jealous. Control yourself, Monica. At one point, Whitney turns to her like co-anchor or like co-business partner and goes, should I ask them to leave? <laughs> <laughs> Whitney in her conversation, I'm beyond pissed right now. Where is Meredith Works when I, where, when I need her? And they cut to Meredith. You can leave. <laughs> and then I love Whitney going, do not come for my sound bath. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing Whitney said all season. Lisa goes, you're so triggered by your circumstances. And Monica goes, that's why you keep in your, my name in your mouth. And, and Lisa goes, please stop talking to me. <laughs> Monica's like, you don't get to tell me what to do. Lisa said in her confessional goes, are you trying to abuse the sound bowl? Maybe you would be in a better mood if you didn't have to pay for drinks. Cause again, Monica's poor. We get it. Like whatever. But again, like she's not materialistic guys. Lisa goes zero interest. And Monica goes, then stop talking about me. It's that simple. Listen, I took your side. Lisa tells to Angie, listen, I took your side. It's as far as it goes. If somebody needs a little more action in their life, they can keep on clinging on to it. And then Monica goes, Lisa, you're like a little tramp stamp. You beg for attention everywhere you go. Wow. Lisa goes, we were dealt the same deck of cards. She plays with the twos. I play with the face card. I still don't understand what that means. Like days I, later. I don't, I don't get it either. Twos are <laughs> typically wild. Monica goes, that's the lamest comeback. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lisa goes, if this is what mediocre looks like, I'm so happy being mediocre. And Monica goes, you are very mediocre. Monica just stayed on. It was like so, like she was hitting, batting a thousand. It was like. Yeah, she didn't miss. She, Lisa was spiraling by how she couldn't get a lick in. It was like, Lisa's like, she clearly doesn't get out much and doesn't know how to behave in public. And Monica goes. You do realize that there are several forms of intellectual capabilities in the brain, and street smarts is actually the number one, and you don't have that. And the fact that I do challenges you, and you hate it, bitch. Ah! <laughs> Shit. I, like, like, standing ovation, like, this is the best housewife performance. Like, ah, ah. So good. Whitney ends the sound bath and goes, 
I hope everyone set their intention and felt that. I know a few people were distracted back there. May they find peace. And it was a good joke. <laughs> everyone laughs in the room. It was a good joke to, like, break the mood of this yeah. incredibly awkward situation that was happening. <laughs> Clearly. Lisa goes, I'm bored with you. And Monica goes, then stop talking about me. And Lisa goes, okay, listen, I don't ever want to talk about you again. Stop talking to me. And it's like getting in Monica's face. Angie goes, you guys clearly don't like each other. And Lisa goes, no, why do you keep saying stuff like that? Listen, you started this whole thing with Sean and I took your side with that. What? So now she's mad at Angie for what? Like, it was like... She's just mad that Angie, like, isn't, like, yelling at Monica. Like, she's mad that Angie isn't joining in this embarrassing display by her. Yes. Lisa's like, and the way you treat your mother is disgusting. And Monica goes, well, you should hear how my mother treats me, Lisa. And Lisa goes, it's the same thing. It's called abuse. You abuse people. (laughs) Wow. Angie's like, you have both made snarky comments. And Monica goes, and I own that. Lisa says, Ange, don't worry about this for one second. Like, stops Angie from talking. And Angie goes, okay. And Monica goes, don't say okay. If you want to talk, be like, no, Lisa, don't silence her. (laughs) Like, so now Monica's, like, advocating for Angie at this point. They just keep arguing. Like, Lisa's waving her hand in Monica's face, being like, and it's just insane how this is not stopping. It's it's wild monica goes in her confessional i actually like fighting in this environment i fought in parking lots and grocery stores this is a pretty classy place to fight (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part was also they're arguing and whitney goes can you move that way you're in the way of our checkout (laughs) like like, just fight over there it's fine Lisa, like, then goes and starts ranting at Whitney and goes, Whitney, it's, like, very hard to have a conversation with her. It's, like, impossible. She's so loud. And it's, like, wrong place, wrong time. Like, and you, you're the one that did all this. Monica sits Angie down at the table and she's like, do you see how she just told you to shut the fuck up? And Angie's like, well, she doesn't want me to speak on her behalf. And Monica goes, You weren't speaking on her behalf. You were saying how you felt, and she was telling you to shut up. Like, Monica is actually really fucking clear-headed on, like, like the scenarios that are happening. Like, like, Lisa's like, oh, I can't. It's like, it's like, your mama jokes. You're a piece of shit. You're 50. It's like mind-numbing. Have you ever argued with, like, children? It's like worse. And Whitney is so, like, disassociating as Lisa's ranting to her. (laughs) Whitney's like, I'm so irritated. Can Lisa table Lisa for like one minute? Winnie in in the conversation goes, so we have like a backup in the line. So I need to make sure everything's moving. And Lisa goes, you know what I don't like? I have to get this off my chest. I don't like the fakery. It's like Lisa, let her leave. (laughs) Like like she has business to do. (laughs) She can't deal with your emotions right now. I'm just, I, I, I. Sorry, just go ahead. <laughs> Monica, Monica is telling Angie, like, well, you look beautiful. I appreciate you today. I got to go get back to my kids. And then she hugs Angie. And Lisa goes, look at this. Hugging it out. It's, like, so weird to me. Why are you hugging? It's She's so jealous that, like, Angie is, like, not, like, she's like, Angie, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the plan, Angie. Like, it's so clear that's what it is. Like, why are you that upset? It's. It's so juvenile. This is an elementary school fight. <laughs> it's crazy. It's and I just, I am baffled. 
it, it, but like favorite fight of the season, favorite fight of the season. Oh yeah. Of, of the, of probably the year so far. It was just so funny. Like every, it was so housewives in the best way. Um, okay. So speaking of housewives, let's move on to this uh, new episode of real housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, for the week, their trip in Vegas starting off. Okay. All right. Um, this was a bad episode for me in the sense that, um, uh, Sutton tested me this episode. I will say. I still, like I said, and when we were talking about, you know, all the different things we were going to talk about today, I still don't understand why Sutton was upset. I think I understand it, but like, she's not vocalizing why she actually is upset. I think it's what they kind of laid out. Yeah, but even, like, when they were talking about it at BravoCon, even, like, Garcelle still doesn't seem to believe that it was anything other than what Sutton said. And it's like, really? so we never deal with this? I didn't notice that. Yeah, somebody asked about it, and she said, um, she said that she was just... Like I, I don't remember exactly what the phrasing was, but but she seemed to indicate that the only thing she was upset about was the face in the crotch thing. I think I think what it we'll get to it later, but it's like I think what it is is that like I think Sutton's going to commit to this that that's what it is because she won't admit what it is for like um, ego reasons, you know, so to speak. And I think because of that, when you're her friend, you kind of just have to be like, well, that's what Sutton says, so I'm just going to... Well, but that's what I mean. It's like, we're not going to really get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Yeah, that can be frustrating. Um, the ladies are eating lunch uh, after they've arrived at the hotel. Garcelle walks in and goes, where are the bitches at? I want to go meet men. <laughs> like, she's already dressed to go out, and Erica's like, hold on, bitch. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even change yet. Uh, Garcelle goes... I also want to do an intervention on how we date because we go on dates and don't go on second or third dates. And like <laughs> we who Garcelle. Yeah. We know who your we is. And then we see this flashback of like Crystal and Sutton and Garcelle um, chatting uh, at this like uh, some kind of like club or something. Crystal's like, what happened to the guy you showed me the picture of when you were in the bathtub? And Sutton goes, I'm going to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> Sutton is eating breakfast or eating lunch and goes, you don't go on first dates. So when you go on a first date, you can talk to me about my second date. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I love Sutton and Garcelle's sort of like witty, like banter. Kyle says that, you know, Sutton goes on a great date. Like they kiss and like they, they go, don't go on a second. And Dorit's like, you kissed this guy. You had a great date. And then what happened? Sutton goes, well, maybe I invited him to come to the ABT gala which was black tie in New York. And I didn't hear from him again. And Dorit's like, well, that's the fucking problem. She's like, well, honey, you don't follow up with, can you please fly across the coast? I don't think this was a, I don't agree. I don't agree in Sutton's tax bracket and the men that she's dating. Yeah. Like they can fly. Like, yeah. like again, Sutton's rich. Like, yeah. it's not that big of an issue. And Dorit, even the confessional admits, like, well, if the roles were reversed, like, you know, that would be kind of sexy. <laughs> right. I'm like, if I was asked to fly, and then they was, uh, yes, absolutely. Please, please do. Um, Sutton then shows them the text that she sent uh, him. Kyle reads it, and it's, she texted, your triceps look good. And they're like, Garcelle's like, Sutton has no game. Like, also, they were talking about, 
they they were like, well, you need to compliment his eyes or his smile. It's like that's what women want to hear. Right. Men want to hear that their muscles look good. Yeah. Men want to hear all the things that you don't want to hear from men. That's why you hear that from men. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, it, to me, like the, when they were like, say it, the thing about your eyes, I'm like, that just sounds corny. No man's going to respond to that. Yeah. Okay. And then Kyle, I, I, while I'm not a fan of Sutton, this, of Sutton this episode, Kyle doesn't get off the hook for me. We'll get to it. Kyle then mistakenly FaceTimes the number uh, with the text message. And so I'm like, what are you doing? Now, now, give it back. Give it back. And then, like joking around with it. I hate Kyle. I'm She's sorry. She's done that shit before. Yeah, she did it to Sutton last year. And she, and like, to me, like, this is like the, this is what I don't like about Kyle. And I don't think Kyle actually means it maliciously. I think, I think she views this as like joking as a friend, but it's not fucking funny. And also like, this is the shit she did to Kathy last year in, in a, in a way she loves that like nagging shit. That's like, it, it just comes off. It's, it's, it's gross. Well, she likes to be friends with people in the way that you see people be friends in movies right as opposed to the way people are actually friends yeah it's just it's not a good friend it's yeah you know how side keeps talking on new york about being a girl's girl kyle needs to be more of a girl's girl at a certain point so does side yeah (laughs) sure um they all get ready to go out uh dorit tells kyle do you know crystal brought glam and kyle is like crystal brought glam i'm like Leave Crystal alone a little bit. Like this is kind of. But mean. also, everyone bought glam except for Dorit and Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sutton is uh, can't find her white pants that are in um, the closet. Uh, that she and she's texting her property manager Avi, who helps set it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this scene with Avi just like freaking the fuck out that he's gonna get fired. <laughs> like this is not this is not cute. I I, I think that there, this was a big joke. I think he's like, Sutton has that relationship with her, yes. like her like staff. I don't think he ever felt truly scared. Yeah, Avi goes, "I apologize," and Sutton goes, "So bye." <laughs> Day is done, gone the sun. <laughs> Whatever that song you're singing, Avi's not dead. <laughs> and then he just the scene of him running away down the hallway, like it's like clearly that was staged. Yeah. Um, we also find out that Sutton carries ocean spray grapefruit juice in her purse. Take that, Teddy. <laughs> Not vodka. It's grapefruit juice. <laughs> Period. <laughs> I love the, they showed a flashback of, of Sutton pulling it out at that club again. And Garcelle going, they have grapefruit juice. This is America. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it was just because of the brand. She's like, no, I need my ocean spray. <laughs> but also, I wouldn't necessarily bank on people having grapefruit juice um i mean not the, outside of a breakfast menu sure i mean it is a common mixer but yeah i agree like it's, it's more... common ish but most bars are not gonna have that yeah uh oh this moment so dorit like walks in as crystal and garcelle are already ready and and dorit's like you girls are killing it and then like sudden walks in from behind and dorit turns around and goes hey <laughs> It's like, oh, that's mean. (laughs) (laughs) We get it. Sutton has a distinct fashion. Sutton keeps going, I don't like pants. Like, I don't wear pants a lot. And this comes comes into play later. Uh, I don't feel like this quote should have come into play later. I think the one later does, but. Well, 
I think it all goes together, sure. right? The statement on the on the private jet, the statement here, like it's it's a thing. Yeah. Also, did you notice the two like statues that were like kneeling on the pedestals you were pointing that out that there's one that's blue and one that's black and they look like a person in a bunny gimp suit oh my god and it's like what is this ladies (laughs) i do not understand sudden interconfessional says i mean it's vegas i'm gonna get up on stage and dance with strippers no one's gonna know right and like for sudden to say that on the confessional i'm like okay so she had like I think it is what it ha- ends up happening, like, in, in the theory of what happened. Because for her to say that in the confessionals, of like, I'm going to go dance with the strippers. But it, the confessionals are also filmed after the fact. Sure. So it's like, what's happening here? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Erica comes down and she's in latex. And uh, <laughs> Kyle says it reminds her of when they were in Berlin. <laughs> the bike going against. So iconic. Sutton's got her uh, wad out and she's like, I got a lot of ones. And I thought this was a choice. Erica goes, nobody let me touch any of that money because the tax authority will say that I owe it to them. I was like, Erica, don't say that. <laughs> don't gonna, remind us of your storyline the last couple of years. You're gonna Just get, leave it alone. You're going to get dragged for that. <laughs> don't don't mention it. We had forgotten. Yeah. Um, they all arrive at Magic Mike. Uh, we found out Erica has basically worked it out to where they get like special treatment or whatever to like be on stage because her assistant Mikey... Uh, his partner Davis is in the show, actually. So, right. you know, she has that connection. Um, they all start the show. Sutton says, I'm kind of into this. Why am I so into this? And then at one point, like, she's excited, like, we wore pants. We wore pants. Like, cheering. It's like she she was perfectly fine going on that stage. Yeah. Now, I will say, her face does shift at a certain point when the one guy takes off his underwear and has, like, the cowboy hat uh-huh. over which I was like, May, I, I'm like, okay, maybe she didn't realize it was going to be, like, full nudity. But I think that's the only, like, that's the only time I think that that happens in the show. Yeah. It's not, like, something that it everybody, it's not tally lackers. It's and, not. <laughs> and you don't see, like, you again, you don't, he's not fully naked. Like, right. Like, uh, sure. But it's, mm. I'm, I'm trying to make an excuse. It's not and I a can't strip find club. It. It's it's not that. She keeps calling it. Sutton keeps calling it a strip club later. Like she, but but it's not. Like it's it's not that. Yeah. So then they t- so this is where I think things transpire. They take Crystal and Erica then down onto the stage for like the chair performance thing that they do the routine, and then there's another man who was very attractive was, uh-huh that 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 was that was the one <laughs> uh-huh and uh he uh gets up on to where they're seated in like the balcony and then get like starts riding on garcelle and and that garcelle his body's amazing and it's so close to me <laughs> and literally because garcelle is sitting next to sutton and isn't wearing pants too and isn't a- wearing pants and then d- he dances all up on her and then literally stops dancing on her and steps over Sutton yeah. to walk out. And you could see Sutton's like visibly annoyed. Like yeah. she's like, she, she's like well, looking away. I don't even think it's annoyed. I think it's hurt. Yeah. Like it felt like she thought these are the only two going to get to go downstairs. You know, like clearly, you know, nobody's going to come up here and dance on me. They're actively leaving me out of this. Yeah. 
And I don't think that she realized they were going to do another round of girls to go on the stage because they came up there after she leaves. Yeah, to get Kyle. And it's like, uh, I I get it, though. Like, if that's the root of why she's upset, which I think it is, I get it. Because I have been in those situations, not necessarily at Magic Mike, but in other situations where it's a group of friends and you're kind of the one that's left out. Yeah. And it's like, I, I understand. Uh, Crystal and Erica then get on the stage and Sutton at one point makes the comment of, I've worn pants for fucking nothing. Like, yeah. so it's like, that's where Garcelle's like, are you okay? Like she's saying like she wore pants for nothing. And Garcelle says in her confessional, I think it hurt her feelings that she wasn't one of the cool girls that got chosen to be on stage and she wore pants. Like, yeah. After being specifically told, if you want to go on stage, wear pants. Yeah. And well, and the worst part is Crystal then com- comes back up uh, from the performance. And like you said, like, it's very sexy. Like, it's like Erica's legs are spread and they're like miming, like eating her out and like sort of. Well, like, and not even just that, but she's like making all these O-face things. Erica like, was, Erica, this is Erica. Erica being, was performing. She's like, I'm a showman. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bitch. <laughs> Crystal, but and it didn't help that they come back up and Crystal jokes with Garcelle and goes, you should have wore pants, you fucking dumbass. And Garcelle goes, I know, I know. And that, like, again, it's like, again, just digging a knife in the Sutton. Yeah. Dorit checks on Sutton. She's like, I feel bad. Sutton goes, I'm leaving. Dorit goes, should I come with you? And she goes, no. And then we see Sutton on the hot mic as she's storming out going, that is not okay. What the fuck is that? What the fuck was that? I'm on the board of the American Ballet Foundation. I don't do that fucking shit. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, it, it doesn't, here's the thing, that lo- the logic doesn't make any sense when she was so excited about Right. You know what Magic Mike is. Like, come on. Yeah. Dorit, in her commercial, goes, this is sudden. Always makes herself the center of attention. She can't help herself. I'm like, Dorit, that's going to backfire on you later. Yeah. Because <laughs> pot, kettle. <laughs> yep. Garcelle goes to check on Sutton in the bathroom, and Crystal tells Erica that Sutton's upset. Um, this is when they bring Kyle onto the bar uh, for her uh, part of the performance. Sutton's talking to Garcelle, and she goes, It was a fun show until I saw my two friends. They had their legs wide open with a man's face in their crotch. And Garcelle goes, Okay, but they are consenting adults. So Right. And Sutton goes, But I'm on the board of American Ballet Theater. I don't have friends that get up on stages and have men's face in their crotches. It's like... Oh, Sutton. Like, they had clothes on. Yeah. It's like. Like, it wasn't like it was a sex show. That's not what was happening. No. Kyle gets laid onto the bar and gets, like, whipped cream licked off of her and, and all that stuff. Um, and then eventually goes back and sees that Sutton and Garcelle are talking. Kyle goes, what's wrong? Sutton goes, I didn't like it. <laughs> Kyle goes, well, you, you wouldn't have liked what just happened. I just had, like, whipped cream licked off of me. And Sutton goes, that's fine. Whipped cream licked off of you is silly and stupid. <laughs> Spreading your legs open? No. <laughs> I'm going very, like, because she's so, like, prudish in this, I'm very, like, debutante. And I, it, um, it's very, very that. Um, silly and stupid. Kyle, Kyle in her confessional goes, Sutton was clearly upset that Erica and Crystal were getting all this attention from all the guys. And she goes, that was very upsetting that I didn't get to dance with the naked men. Like, mocking tone, like, in the confessional. I'm like, Fuck off, Kyle. Like, to me, it's like, yes, Sutton's overreacting, and yes, Sutton is wrong and is ruining people's fun in this moment, and yeah. and that's all right. But it's it's clear, if if you, Kyle, know that it's from, like, a jealous, like, sort of place, why are you doing it in a mocking tone? 
Like that's but also if you're I her still, friend. I also still don't even think that it's jealousy. I feel like it is not jealousy, but yeah, I feel like it is a thing of well, Kyle got pulled down there, and yeah, you know, all these things, all these people get included, and she doesn't. Right. She gets literally stepped over. Like I think that was the moment that ruined it for her. Yeah, I was know. the guy didn't even try to interact with her. He just acted like she was furniture to step and over. And especially when it's like, that's your job to like interact with yeah. women. It's like. Yeah. It's like, okay, clearly you were just looking at her and going, oh, she's older. She's not going to be interested. Yeah. And it was just, it, it sucked. Like, I get it. Yeah. Kyle's like, you know, is that what it is that you're like jealous that they were down there? And Sutton's like, it has nothing to do with that. Kyle goes, well, maybe a little something. Again, poking. Sutton goes, this has nothing to do with the pants. And we were both like, it's, it's not, not about, about the, the pasta. Pants. It's not about the pants. It's not about the pasta. Um, I did see a great tweet that the name of the episode, in, I think the episode title was, it's not about the pants. They should have, someone said they should have named the episode Sutton Slacks. <laughs> um, Sutton goes, Y'all go enjoy this strip club show. I don't want to see it. And Garcelle goes, stop. Sutton goes, my brand is not that. <laughs> and Kyle goes, are you, wait, are you talking about your brand like right now? <laughs> like, I don't think she meant like, like, uh, again, she's trying to find an excuse. I don't think she's like, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find an excuse for you, Sutton. I'm really trying. Well, I mean, clearly she was upset. And so she was finding anything that, could possibly be oh well see i didn't want to go down there anyway it's a good thing that they skipped me over i couldn't possibly be involved in this because i'm on this board and you know i'm not that kind of girl yeah. you know it was it was very that and it also i think coming on the heels of having been shamed about not going on these second dates with people and right like all so like it made her seem undesirable and like made her feel very unwanted like, I get why she's upset. And yeah. so she instead turned that around into, well, I didn't want anything to do with that anyway. Yeah. Um, Sutton goes, we're not going to blame the pants. That's not what this is about. I am not comfortable with that. Sorry. Call me a prude. I don't get a second date. I don't care. I wear a kitty sweater on my first date. I don't care. It's who I am. And to me, like, when Sutton said that, that revealed it. it. Yeah. Like, that revealed what it was. And it's like... It is the thing of like she's being told like, oh your kitty sweater is unattractive. You you know you, you need to dress better. Like she she has been kind of getting hit by that yeah a lot to where I could feel someone getting self conscious yeah like it makes sense to me in that regard yeah especially after doing following the instructions explicitly yeah Kyle goes you can also be offended and just like walk away instead of like making a big scene. Which she did. And, I'm, and this is where I was Team Sutton, right? This is, this is where I was like, Sutton, get her. And she goes, what did I do? I walked away. And Kyle goes, it was a little excessive. And Sutton goes, then don't follow me. <laughs> Kyle's like, I was going to go to the bathroom. Sutton goes, fine, then shut up. <laughs> Kyle goes, don't be a bitch, Sutton. And Sutton goes, don't say I'm being excessive. I went to the bathroom. That's all I did. Yeah. And, and she is right. Like, Kyle is kind of like... Kyle doesn't diffuse. She never diffuses. Like, you know, that's not her nature. 
Well, and Kyle also knows it's a reality show. You kind of got to blow things up a little bit. Unless it's her marriage. Unless it's her marriage. Which everyone has to be nicer with her and be gentle and handle her with kid gloves. Apparently. Apparently. Um, the fact that, sorry, the fact that that BravoCon Kyle O'Leary said that she's taking a break from Sutton because of how she talked about her marriage on the season and how she talked about um, Erica and uh, her tickets being $7 for her Vegas show, whatever. And we should be supporting each other's businesses. But last time I checked, uh, didn't Erica uh, make fun of Garcelle's show getting canceled, The Real? Didn't Erica and Rena also get involved in posting on Instagram that they threw Garcelle's memoir in the trash? Also, weren't they making fun of Sutton's store? last season i'm sure probably i i feel like that was a thing and her fashions and her like yeah so calm down kyle seriously um garcelle goes let's head out to the sprinter van the girls will you know the girls will join us the show's almost done and kyle then texts crystal sutton is upset we need to go which i think was like because even like even fucking uh garcelle was like let them finish the show and then they'll join us yeah um, which I, I find frustrating. Yeah. So then Crystal uh, gets the text message and basically tells Erica and Dorit, like, yeah, they, we need to go. Like, you know, Sutton's upset. She's in the spreader van, whatever. And Erica and Dorit are like, you can go. Like, we're just going to, we're going to finish the show. Basically. We're going to stay <laughs> like, so, and Erica is, is also, I feel like part of that was also Erica being like, you know, I'm know these people and so therefore and well yeah i feel like we're gonna see that next week so that yeah you know. well and i could also understand why she'd be upset about somebody walking because that is someone that she knows right right like it's like we were in a seat of honor like we like everybody knew we so when you walk out of this show knowing full well that everyone's looking at us for this entire show because we have cameras on us right we're causing a scene. We're causing a scene, and it's also showing bad light on this show that I'm connected to. Yeah. I, I get Erica's point, like, in that. Yeah. Um, they're walking to the Sprinter van, and Sutton goes, all I did was go to the restroom, and y'all just have to run after me and make it a big deal. And Kyle goes, I do think it has something to do with the pants a little bit. And Sutton goes... God, motherfucker, I swear. Like <laughs> <laughs> She hit her with her purse, I think, at yeah. that point. Sutton tries to explain that it was the performance, and Kyle goes, I mean, she did say that, you know, it was her brand, too. Sutton literally stops walking and goes, you're such a bitch. You really are. <laughs> like, and Garcelle goes, how far is this walk to this goddamn sprinter? <laughs> it, see, I felt like this, at least this part of it, was like frustrated banter. I didn't feel like anybody was serious in this. I agree. At this point. I agree. But then then what happens is that Sutton goes, here we go again with Kyle. She walked into a conversation that she did not hear. And then Kyle gets pissed because Kyle, because Kyle still won't take ownership from the Diana yeah. thing. Kyle goes, now you're being a fucking bitch. Don't be a fucking bitch to me. Like yelling at Sutton. And yeah, Kyle escalated that. Yeah, and it's like, but it was such a trigger point because Kyle was so wrong in yeah. the thing at Garcelle's party that, that the idea that Sutton would bring that up on camera, like, yeah. Um, so they get in the sprint of the van, Sutton apologizes for calling her Kyle a bitch and then kind of dies down. Sutton goes, I'm trying to work it through my brain so I can explain it to y'all and it doesn't blow up. And Garcelle goes, too late. <laughs> and Erica's not even here, by the way. And Garcelle's like, Erica is going to walk into the spreader van and it's going to be World War fucking three. It's going to be a mess. 
and, and Erica, like, she sees them all in the Sprint van, and Erica says to herself, like, she's sitting there, like, Judge Judy, like, sort of upset about it. But, like, Sutton, like, talk, like, Erica asks, like, what was wrong? And Sutton's like, it was the Spread Eagle, you know, head in the crotch. And Erica goes, oh, my God, it's, like, my oldest dance partner from, like, forever ago. But Erica's, like, really calm about it. And, like, you know, it was a safe space. You know, you know, you know, it was a really good show, et cetera. Yeah. Like, and Erica's her, really about this namaste shit this year. It's like she gave it up for Lent. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's what happened. But, it, I, I mean, it was... It was refreshing. I yeah. will say in that regard. Sutton goes, I got really upset seeing y'all like that on the stage. And Crystal goes, how do you feel the fact that, you know, we don't feel upset? And again, Erica goes, ha! <laughs> I did feel like that was pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> Crystal, that was good for Crystal. Uh, the the few the little we see of Crystal this episode again, by the way, which it's literally her birthday weekend. Like, yeah, and but it's also I I feel like they're editing her out. Like yeah. like Crystal said, there was also a scene where she like stuck up for Garcelle over Dorit with like some of the stuff that wasn't included, and I'm like, it does feel like they're editing her out a bit, little bit, and I think it it could be the case because if you remember from the reunion, we were saying that Andy did not like Crystal, like yeah. and, Andy was getting frustrated with her, but Andy, I don't believe that bravo has anything to do with the editing the editing of the show comes from the production company sure so i don't maybe think, there's not enough there. i don't think that has anything to do with it but i will um i will just note one thing didn't they end a season like last year or the year before with crystal's birthday party so it feels like the shifting of the time of this season is a little yeah 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 it's like it's a little jarring yeah. to like start a season with Crystal's birthday. Well, because normally they have like a, around also like Christmas time, and I don't think yeah. that's this. I, I think it's a little later. Yeah. Um. Kyle says their confessional. Mo would never care if I was up on the bar with a man licking whipped cream off cream off of me, and then you said, "I was like, okay, yeah, because it's a man." Yeah, that's that's part of it. <laughs> Kyle tells Sutton, "I'm taking it that you never watch porn with your husband, right?" And Sutton goes. No. <laughs> oh my God. Garcelle in her confessional. She had to have like sex, right? Like, did Sutton have like a stork? <laughs> Here's the thing Sutton, but that's the thing. Sutton's not the prude that, that no. this is about. They all go out to dinner at this like sushi place. Sutton up, uh, explicitly apologizes to Erica for like causing a scene and, and all that stuff. And Erica says, Thank you. you it's all good. Like, she, <laughs> like, I'm. Look, I'm hopeful in two directions with Erica. Uh-huh. I kind of am hopeful that she stays this chill all season, but I'm also kind of not because I love messy Erica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I at least am glad that Erica is like intentionally calming down. Yeah. She needed it. Oh, she definitely needed it. Um, Gar- they talk about what they're going to be doing like the rest of the time in Vegas. Garcelle says she's at one point going to have lunch with Oliver because Oliver lives in Vegas. Um, Sutton says, you've had a lot of moments with your boys and you handle it so well. And Garcelle goes, I mean, I try. Like, it doesn't mean I don't cry sometimes, you know, thinking, you know, I mess things up because of Oliver's like addiction issues right. and sort of all that stuff. Dorit goes, nobody's perfect, Garcelle. And you did your best. And it is like, it's nice what Dorit is doing. Yes. Yeah. But Garcelle then lays out in her confessional. She goes, I don't 
feel comfortable talking to the women about my kids because of the way that they were treated last year. You know, I don't know if they genuinely want to have a conversation with me. It just doesn't really feel like a safe space. And I get, and this is like, and specifically like, I can understand when Garcelle had that moment with Jax on the beach, like being like, I don't think I can share this. I can share this with Sutton and that's about it. Yeah. Because like. Well, because I feel like it would have been used as, well, but here's the thing. I feel like most of the people that are, that were targeting Garcelle are gone. Yeah. Rena and Diana. Targeting, targeting, yes. Rena and Diana were the two that were piloting that ship. Right. And who were manning the guns. And so with them gone, I feel like it's probably okay and she could do that and wouldn't have an issue. But I also understand where Garcelle is coming from and understand why she wouldn't feel like she wants to share with these people. Yeah. Because even though the... You know, it wasn't Kyle and Dorit and Erica that were pushing that. They sure did jump on board. Well, and were willing to defend Diana. Right. They they really defended Diana throughout that reunion, like, unabashedly. And also, I think the other thing, I also think Garcelle is also more talking about that scene with Kyle and Mauricio and Dorit and PK. Right. Where they're laughing about Erica right. telling Jax to fuck off. And to me, and I, it just feels, it, even watching it back when they replayed it on the episode, I was like, fuck, that was gross. Like, it yeah. really was. Like, because like, you didn't need to talk about it. Like, and it's also one thing to, to think, hey, it's not that big of a deal that she told him to fuck off, whatever. But it's something completely different to go, good. She should have, which yeah. is what Mauricio said. It, and then PK said something about something that was even worse, and I can't remember what well, it was. We'll get to it when they get to the actual discussion later. But, yeah, it's, like, it's just not nice. And it was, like, yeah. you know, it's it's uncomfortable. Um, so, oh, my God. Sutton eating, eating this fish ball <laughs> that she can't get you with the chopsticks, and she's, like, nibbling like this. <laughs> Kyle goes, I'm beginning to understand why there's no second date. And Erica goes, no second date? No wonder. <laughs> Uh, y'all uh, didn't need to dig in on that particular thing this this same night, but okay. Yeah. Um, they all play a card game to basically answer, like, questions about each other to, like, break the ice. Um, Sutton, some of the highlights. Sutton says that she would normally have sex, like, twice a day if she was in, like, a normal relationship. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then she later says that she does have, like, a lot of sex toys. But you can't. Okay. And you wouldn't ever watch. Okay. But I mean, that that's in the privacy of my own home. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Um, Crystal has to answer like the best compliment she ever got. And she said that, that, um, that she had perfect nipples. And then Dorit said that that was surprising. And she seemed to take offense to that. And she's like, you shouldn't be surprised. And, but like jokes about it. But then Crystal in her confessional goes, how would you know what a perfect nipple would look like? You haven't seen a real body part in 10 years. I was like, oh, shit. Like, why? Why that animosity? I feel like there's something that happens between now and the the confessional tapings that yeah. has Crystal Barbie. Also, when Sutton brought up the sex toy thing, I love Doreen in her confessional going, okay, Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Strack. <laughs> that was a great line. Um, they all head back to their rooms and Sutton is annoying the fuck out of Garcelle trying to go to bed. And she just keeps like either fucking with the curtains or like talking or like Sutton at one point goes, I got to tell you something. And I got to be honest. I think if you play with vibrators too much, it messes up with the clitoris. 
Garcelle's like, kill me. <laughs> also, I just felt it because this clearly wasn't like cameras that were just like put in the room. This yeah. was there was a cameraman in there. It was like a it was like a lower quality camera too. So I don't know but if those it was are like just the like, handy cams or what. Why is there someone in here long enough for Garcelle to be actually trying to sleep and Sutton like interrupting? Yeah, Sutton goes. Sutton's in her bed and Sutton goes, "Do you care if I read some stuff?" And Garcelle goes, "I don't care if you burn." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the next morning. Kyle has is working out at six a.m. And, like, woke up at 5 to, like, get up. And, like, Dorit and Erica are in their bed talking about how just fucking ridiculous that is. To like, like, on a fucking vacation in Vegas, you're doing that. And Dorit even explicitly tells Erica, like, you know, she's living in these extremes right now. And it's, it's not sustainable. And, like, so they're kind of acknowledging that, like, you know, she's using the working out as, like, this, like, weird coping mechanism that's, like, not healthy, really, in terms of everything. Yeah. I think, like... Uh, yeah, f- fuck. On a good day where I'm on a work day and and I can operate my own schedule, I wake up at eight thirty. That's the earliest I wake up. You're not waking me up at five. No, hell no. Um, they all have breakfast. Um, and they're sitting around. This is when Garcelle decides to open up about sort of what she's been feeling. She goes, "I have something on my mind that I really wanted to share." Um, last night when we were sitting at the table and we were talking about Oliver, I felt disingenuous for myself because what I really wanted to say was. I don't know if I trust you guys when it comes to my family. And it was very, I'll say this. It was very blunt. I, I just really want to be honest. I don't fuck with you cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Garcelle goes, I think because, you know, I'm still a little bit with, you know, the whole laughing at Jack's thing. And Garcelle says they're confessional. Kyle and Erica have apologized. <laughs> and but also they cut to Kyle's apology, which was at the Eagle Woman retreat thing, mm-hmm. and it really just felt like Kyle was like, "I'm so sorry." It, like the, the way she delivered it, just didn't feel like it was anything. Yeah, it felt like a five year old that's being forced to apologize by their parent. Yeah, she, uh, Garcelle goes, "You can accept someone's apology, but that doesn't mean that you forgive. It's not about holding on to it. It's just saying I'm still in the space that is vulnerable when it comes to my family." Yeah, I think she. I think she. That means different thing that you can apologize, you can accept an apology, but not forgive. I actually think she has forgiven them, but it's that the you still there's still a, a if you stab someone right, right, there's still a scar there, right, and there's still a trepidation there, and people need to be conscious of that shit when they yeah. do shit to people. It's like there's three different levels. There's the the apology then there's the forgiveness but then there's the actual regaining of trust right and that's what is lacking already like she doesn't hold animosity she's not angry at them over it but she doesn't feel that trust yet the trust has to be rebuilt it doesn't just happen overnight because you want it to yeah dorit then goes i didn't laugh at jacks and garcelle goes i know you said that <laughs> like like being like it's it's and it's because that's the other thing it's like We'll get to it. Garcelle goes, but I still want to protect my family from this group. Dorit goes, she's saying that she doesn't trust us with her family when we talk about her kids. And Dorit says it like it's like a bad thing. And Garcelle literally goes, thank you. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> But she said it was like incredulously. It was like, but you said the, yeah, that's it. Dorit says her confessional that she thought her issues with Garcelle were resolved. Now for Garcelle to say that she can't trust me around her kids, it's hurtful. It makes me angry. But it's like, 
here's the I'll tell you why you didn't haven't moved on to read is because you can't give a good apology. You never really actually give a proper apology. Dorit always apologizes with like a million excuses prefacing the apology. So it's like, what are you apologizing for actually? Mm-hmm. You're basically telling me I misconstrued what actually happened, even though I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. And so it's really hard to take you seriously as, like you said, like a trustworthy person after that. Um, but even Kyle is kind of... I was shocked that Kyle was understanding what Garcelle was saying. Like, that was big on Kyle, I felt. Yeah. Kyle's like, that's actually sad that you feel that way. And Garcelle goes, and I want to feel like you would want to protect them, too. Like, if someone came after your kids, how I would, you know, be there for them. And Kyle goes, a million percent. Like, I get that. Like, <laughs> Well, and Erica was, like, on her side, too, on it. It was like, I was, I was like, are, are we just, like, in bizarro land where everyone's on Garcelle's side? Yeah. I would hope that Erica would understand what, that while her child is an adult, like, she has had that, like, protectiveness over her child. So, like, yeah. you would hope. Um, Dorit goes, but what has to happen, Garcelle? And Garcelle goes, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know. And then Dorit goes, because it's been over a year. And I would have I would have gone off. Garcelle goes, I mean, you can't put, like, a time on it. I couldn't tell you if it's, you know, it's been over a year and you should be better with the... And she, like, stops herself mid-sentence. And I was like, no, Garcelle, you should finish that sentence. Because that was exactly what I th- I was thinking. Because I know what you were about to say. You were about to say, that's like me saying, it's been over a year since your robbery. Get over it. Yeah. So, like, well, have a bit of compassion. That's a thought, Dorit. Like, you can, to tell just someone to, like, get over it. Because like, yeah. anytime you're saying that, it's like, you're in a bad place. Dorit goes, you've known us for three years. You know that if we're good people. And Garcelle goes, I'm not saying you're a horrible person. I think you're taking it wrong. Sutton says in her confessional, I understand where Garcelle feels like this, feels like this 100%. If you watch your husband making fun of a child and you don't say anything, you're just as responsible. And then they flash back yep. to the comments uh, PK said. And PK said, she told Garcelle's younger to fuck off. The next one she tried to bang. I mean, that's a blowout. It's like it's Animal House. and. Dorit says nothing in that clip and the amount of times throughout their marriage we like innocuous like jokes that PK may makes where Dorit goes PK stop it and she couldn't say it there but it's only it's only when the comments are against people that she's aligned with right because if you remember Erica's first season before they were friends when PK made that nasty comment about the underwear yeah 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 she didn't have anything to say then either. No, you're you're totally right on that. Like it's 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 for it's it goes with the wind depending on who the, the recipient is. Yeah. Um, Garcelle says, "I feel like now you're making me feel like I need to apologize to you for how I feel." And Dorit goes, "Garcelle, please don't turn that around on me." It's like you're turning it around on her. Yeah. Garcelle goes, "I don't understand how you can't just understand how I feel in this." Uh, Garcelle says her confessional, this is my problem with Dorit. We all know she talks a lot, but I don't think that she listens. She takes things and then makes them personal. And then she becomes the victim. Yeah. Which I think is pretty accurate, actually. Like, it's like, you know, it's not about you, Dorit. If you're saying I didn't laugh at Jack, then this whole conversation is also not about you. So shut up. Yeah. uh, Dorit goes, 
and this pissed me off. Dorit goes, I will withhold when I feel like there's something that comes from my heart. I won't say it. It's okay. That's so like passive aggressive. It's like you were saying it was the same thing of like, you know, in terms of like, like someone says something racist or like something. Like, oh yeah. It's when someone like you call someone out on saying something fucked up and then they're like, Oh, well I just won't talk anymore then. I just won't have anything to say. Well, okay, fine. Then shut the fuck up. I don't give a shit. Like, honestly, if it's going to be like that, if it's going to be the bullshit you've been saying or nothing at all, I'll gladly take nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, And Garcelle walks up upset because she's just like, I can't fucking deal with this right now. Um, And that's how the episode ends on that kind of cliffhanger. Um, So, yeah, that was Beverly Hills for this week. Um, it should be interesting to see how the rest of this Vegas trip develops, and then also more of that stuff going forward. It's been a, I would say it's it's been a good season. I think, yeah, you know, even without like some like Rena and some of the other players. So. Yeah, I do not miss Rena at all. No, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on down to Florida where the girls are enjoying some disco ball cockies on Real Housewives of Miami. Real Housewives of Miami for this week. Another great episode of like emotional roller coaster, ups and downs, fun moments. This, like, again, I, I really think Miami is the premier franchise right now in terms yeah. of, a lot of a lot of things in that regard. Um, we start the episode, we see like quick flash scenes of like certain things. I just quick note though, Larza and Marcus are like at their like condo or whatever, and like Larza, I guess, got this like grass elephant that's like 
<laughs> like a topiary thing. I was like, what? No, that's ugly. <laughs> I hate that. I thought it was cute. I mean, maybe placed right. I, I felt like it was cute and you could like stick like flowers in it and different air. Like you uh, could put like greenery, like put a, that could you know be what cute. I mean? Like use it as like a base for like adding like floral arrangements on its back or out of its nose or something. Like you could use it cute. Yeah. I think it could be fine. Um, we also see uh, Nicole is going out to ice cream with her son. And uh, during that, she FaceTimes Gertie uh, to invite her. She's doing like this like happy hour, th- like oysters and champagne thing with um, her and uh, Julia and Adriana because Nicole's like, you know, wanting to sort of like get, you know, get Gertie alone in the, in, in like a safe space to sort of like talk about things, you know, cause she seemed really upset at Alexia's party. Little does she know. Yeah. Um, I we, mean, Nicole has some inkling because Gertie's been talking to her leading up to this. I have to think so, like, you know, to a certain extent. Um, we then see, uh, so Adriana and Julia are going over to, I love it says Adriana's house and then it flashbacks and then says Jody's house, the yeah. the home that uh, Adriana used to have. I will say, I really like what he's done with it. I Hers, her decor was awful. It was, I mean, she was like, it used to be like very like bohemian and like artistic, which. Talk it, about Target chic. It was, th- this looked like it was decorated out of Target when yeah. Adriana was there. It was a little mismatched and a little like. Yeah, it's definitely much more modern and sort yeah. of, but it, well, I'll say this, it was modern, but also like throwback in certain ways. It had like certain yeah. like seventies and eighties elements that uh-huh. I liked. Yeah. It was very like updated, like contemporary mid-century modern blended. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Uh, Jody uh, tells Adriana like, look, I don't even know how to deal with like Lisa's closet if she like ever moves in. And Lisa goes, I mean, the house next door is for sale. <laughs> but also... Y'all have been together for three seconds. I mean, yes. I think he, I don't think he meant like immediately. I think he meant like down the line. No, I know. But like, you don't even talk about moving in that early, in her, especially when you know full well that she has to stay in that house. Right. Well, that's what, that's what I said. I was like, don't leave that house. You better not leave that house. Like, you know. Like, she has to stay in that house for the divorce. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we, I would say that we moved in pretty quickly together. Yeah, but. It's a different scenario. Gays gays do the U-Haul thing. I I have noticed that we followed a lot more lesbian trends than than, than gay men trends. (laughs) It was was quick. We knew what we wanted. It's fine. Um, We then, as as they're uh, uh, having their get-together, Larsa is working out with Alexia and Kiki. Um, Kiki, like, falling over the medicine ball as she's trying to balance. And then Kiki in her confessional... I mean, these kind of balls are not my type of balls. I, I squeeze balls. I suck balls. Kiki! Kiki Kiki don't give a fuck about what she says on this television show. That Later, she's a free spirit. I'll say that. Oh, she was that way last season, too. Like, jeez. Yeah, I love Kiki. Alexia says, you know, yeah, brings up the, yeah, I mean, it was bothering me that, you know, Todd wasn't there at the party. Um, Kiki's like, I was like, they just got married. I hope they're not, like, having problems. Like, when you mentioned that you were not getting divorced, like, why would you say that? And Alexia's like, I mean, because, like, that's what you guys were all thinking. I don't think that's what they were all thinking. (laughs) I don't think they thought anything until you said it. I understand Lisa trying to, or not Lisa. Why did I say Lisa? Alexia Alexia trying to head that off. Because that's how my brain works, too. Sure. Like, I feel like I need to head off whatever you're thinking. So I get why she said it that way. Yeah. 
Lars is like, I mean, like you said that it didn't have anything to do with like Anthony or Nicole. Like, is there some, someone else's like energy that Todd wasn't feeling right now? And Alexi's like, I don't think so. You know, if anyone, it would have maybe been like Adriana. And then, but Kiki then sees that it's like, okay, so I have to be honest. And then tells her what Adriana said in the car about, you know, who would Alexia be without Todd's money and blah, blah, blah. And all that. I was like, oh no, don't carry that bone, Kiki. No, we were just fixing things. Because I'm like, Alexia was just like, Alexia just like rehabilitated. Like, I was like, it's fun while it lasted, I guess. Because Alexia goes, Todd is very humble. And so am I. She's not happy that I'm happily married. She would have loved for me to announce that we were getting divorced. <laughs> to be fair, it was Adriana's fault for saying that. Oh, sure. Adriana makes her own mess. Like, it's, it's all on her. Uh, Marisol is FaceTiming them and is inviting, her to, inviting them to her gay brunch that she's doing, her annual. I guess she does it all the time. I just... I love how she's a friend of and still has storylines. I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, that's the unique thing with Miami, I think, is like, it really is a nine-person cast. Yeah. But that they've, you know, and, and I don't mind that, actually. Like, I think, like, I actually think sometimes it's better to, it would be better to, like, revolve people and, like, okay, you're going to be a friend of this year and th- this person's going to get more main storyline mm-hmm. time or whatever. Like, I think that's, you know, I think that's actually leads to more longevity on the show i would yeah, say probably it keeps might keep people from burning out yeah marisol's like i mean i had julia on the list but i don't think she likes me so much so i don't need that energy at my fun gay brunch at a certain point we'll get to it later she says gay more than angie says greek it's this a lot um julia is telling lisa and adriana that like you know i just think like marisol spreads these like malicious rumors and just like washes her hands with everything and lisa in her confessional Marisol stirs the pot for sure. She probably goes home like, <laughs> like churns the butter. Wait, no, not no, her cauldron. That's what it is. <laughs> like, uh, do you think that's how they like butter is like up and down, Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> side to side. Um, the girls and, uh, and all both at the gym and uh, at uh, Jody's house, they're both all discussing. Like, I don't understand like why Gertie was like crying. Like, we're really confused by it. Like, I it just seemed like out of nowhere so yeah um they're all struggling with that um larsa we see going out to eat with marcus on a date larsa i can't believe this story point larsa goes marcus eats really bad we late and i don't know if it's like being in love with him but i'm definitely in this like love chub face i've gained like 10 pounds i'm like larsa you look the fucking same (laughs) like i don't stop just stop um they're also they say they're doing an uh, a podcast together for iHeartRadio. Can you imagine Larsa on a podcast? No. That it, it it's like I would much rather just one of those like, you know, 3 hours sleep noise <laughs> for like the background noise for people to go to sleep with cuz Yeah. Like, I, also, is she still going to be doing her OnlyFans dating Marcus? Probably. I mean, I I don't know how much she shows on that OnlyFans, in fairness. Like, I think it's a lot of, like, feet stuff and, like, lingerie, but, like... I don't understand the feet thing. No, not my not my kink. I'm not going to kink shame, but... I'm not going to yuck your yum, but it's not my yum. <laughs> Marcus says, yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions about, like, who we are, how we met. I'm like, no, that's pretty clear, actually. Yeah. We know how you met. 
long, long time ago. That's the issue. <laughs> um, Lisa, we see heading to the courthouse for her temporary um, support hearing uh, to uh, try to at least get some aid in the time in which like the divorce is happening. Lisa's like, Lenny doesn't think any of this is fair. So like, here we are. Like, he's like, you know, instead of just giving me, you know, proper money without having to fight this, this is what we're doing. Um, and then uh, Lisa's lawyer, John, though, calls her in the car and she's like, and he's like, you can turn around. Lenny's just agreed to $8,000 a month, basically, in temporary support, which I was like, good. But also, 8000 doesn't seem like a lot. Like, I would be happy with $8,000 a month. But, like, that's me. I kind of understood. They played this for laughs, but Lisa and their confessor was like, it's a small victory because, you know, the last thing I want to worry about is how to take care of the bills. But it is bullshit because what I need and am accustomed to versus what he wants to shell out is mind-blowing. I guess he has a lot of other things to pay for because he has a girlfriend that's very expensive. Like, why would she be with someone 30 years older than her? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, but I also think like, yeah, I mean, in the house that they're living in with the lifestyle that they had, I do. I agree that I don't think $8,000 a month is enough. And I think like, also Lenny has a pretty high net worth still. So like, I don't, yeah, it doesn't even kind of fucked up. Um, Marisol then arrives to her gay brunch and nothing is set up. Like everything, it's just like barren and like everything. She's like, there's nothing down here. I think, I think that's our bar. Like someone needs to like put that up. And in her confessional, she goes, this is where the gay, like the use of gay was like so egregious. She goes, this is the most underwhelming gay moment of my life. Like if there was a negative gay zero, it was like a quadruple negative gay zero. Like you need a lot of space for gay. And she does like windmill arms. <laughs> like I just I I for a straight woman she is awful concerned with the gays. <laughs> also I kept speaking of straight women, I kept expecting during this whole party for like Anna Navarro to wander in in the background. Oh yeah, well because she's friends with um she's actually friends with Martina, so I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Like so like that needs to happen. I, I feel like we're I'm a big um view watcher. Um, like she jokes about it sometimes of like, you know, also though, I didn't know that she was friends with Martina. I need her to check her on some of her transphobic bullshit. Well, but I mean, she is a Republican. Yeah. But, but Anna's like down with the gays and the trans people. I try to forget that Mart that part of Martina's thing, because it's also so weird because Martina's also very progressive on everything else. Yeah. I think it's weird. It's just something it's, it's something about like athletes yeah like they they get so hung up on this whole like fairness and sports bullshit which is like yeah when you actually break one the amount of trans people in sports is actually very minuscule and two when you actually break down the science behind like like it's it's it's, yeah it's largely just uneducated and like you know um the the the, the dj literally arrives and marisol goes i thought you were gonna be shirtless like (laughs) and then later she goes is the dj naked yet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me <laughs> we go to um nicole's happy hour uh get together at the key club um and immediately they all sit down and adriana's like so gertie like what happened to you like at alexia's and gertie's like whoa 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 hold on and julia's like let's just have a drink first and like have fun and gertie talks in her confessional how she's like really nervous about sharing this but she feels that you know this is the group to start with because i feel right the most comfortable with them so um yeah, and it's a hard thing. 
Um, we see the gays. <laughs> I just wrote the gays start arriving in my notes. <laughs> One of them drinks from like they have these like disco ball like sort of like um what, I mean they're glasses but like yeah they're like little cocktail glasses and he sips one of them uh, in front of Marisol and he goes this is straight tequila and then and Marisol goes who doesn't like a little stiffy like it's like <laughs> oh my god like like not everyone drinks like you Marisol <laughs> um, Kiki uh oh Kiki then tells Lisa. I was at dinner the night before, and guess who I was sitting next to? Lenny's mistress's ex-husband. Like, also, how do you know? Like, I wouldn't have oh, gone Lisa, through oh, the oh, research of all of that. Oh, I'm That's sure Lisa. Lot. I'm sure Lisa has. Lisa like, has a dossier on everyone in Miami. <laughs> Kiki's like he's the sweetest guy, and Lisa's like he's getting horrible press for no reason. Kiki's like maybe I should date him, and Kiki says her confession like I will take that bullet for my friend to fuck over Lenny. <laughs> At one point, and then Kiki at one point, like, like, it's just, like, airing out her ass. She has, like, this, like, really loose, like, cheetah print, like, sort of, like, dress or whatever. And mm-hmm. she just airs out her ass at one point and later is, like, fully airing out her, her vagine region. <laughs> you could say vagina. It's fine. It's fine. Um, uh, oh, back at uh, with Nicole's uh, get-together. Fucking uh, Emilio Estefan then just stops by because I guess he was at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Gloria's like over there. I'm like, bring Gloria over. Like, <laughs> Well, but Gloria's not the one. Number one, Gloria's not the one with the connection to Adriana. No, but I want to see Gloria on the show. <laughs> like, Sure. But also, do you know how much Bravo would have to pay her for uh, a release to get her on the screen? That's fair. Uh, she probably doesn't come cheap. Um, and then he plays them uh, Adriana's new song that he's working on. And she goes, it was for Camila Cabello. And he gave it to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so excited. And I do agree with Nicole. Nicole's like, it kind of jar- like dawns on you. Like, wow. Like, uh, uh, Adriana's, like, actually doing this. And, like, because yeah. Emilio's stuff on, like, it's it's big shit. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Kiki, uh, they they go back to the gay brunch. Kiki is talking to some of the gays, and Kiki goes, like, like hugs him a little certain ways, and goes, "Oh, I almost spanked you on the ass." And get and the gay goes, "I'm not wearing underwear." So, and Kiki goes, "You're not do this," and does like the swivel to make his dick like. <laughs> uh. I love her. I love her so much. Um, Lisa is telling Alexia, like, so like I bumped into Todd like leaving your party. He seemed like really low. Like, is everything okay? And Alexia is like, yeah, like, I think he was overwhelmed with just the entire group. But yeah, he's okay. And Lisa's like, so like, no talk about divorce, right? You know, <laughs> just being sure. Alexia literally then says her confessional, look, we fight hard. We fight and we fight hard, but we love even harder. Quick cut then to Adriana going, oh my God. So when I left Alexia's party, Todd was coming in. I said, by the way, if I hurt you inadvertently, Todd, I apologize. And he said, you never hurt me. I'm good with you. And Nicole goes, wait, so then who's like the culprit that like made him upset? And then Adriana goes, and then I said, it looks like you guys are going to need some time to figure out your marriage. And he goes, right on the nose. Adriana, like you got, you can't like, I mean, thank you for dropping these bombs, but like, you cannot like, (laughs) this isn't helping. Oh my God. Oh, uh, it's, 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 uh, she, she's made for this show. She's made for reality television. I'll say that. 
Um, Larsa, they're at the table at the gay brunch. Larsa then is FaceTiming Marcus at the table. She's like, I'm going through withdrawals. And then they shows on the bottom that he's only been gone for like three days. He's on like some business thing or whatever. <laughs> it's like, she, I don't get it. I Ma- need you to chill. Marisol says, Pip says a little bit of the permanent lady would. <laughs> <laughs> Larsa says, I'm going through separation anxiety. I'm throwing a welcome home party on Tuesday. And Kiki goes, wait, but like Marcus was with us like two days ago. <laughs> like what? Like what? A welcome home party? He was gone for a week. <laughs> Lisa literally goes, they're so annoying. <laughs> like right to Larsa's face. <laughs> um, Kiki then tells, uh, asks Lisa like, Look, I wanted to just, like, make sure that you are good with, like, Jody and stuff like that. Because I want to make sure it's not, like, a rebound situation, you know. Right. Being so fresh. And Lisa goes, I don't think I've ever been this loved in my life. And the way Lisa lays it out in the confessional, she goes, like, I mean, Jody is empathetic. He's nice. He's kind. He asked me about my feelings. He wants to talk about feelings. I haven't experienced that in 15 years. And I'm like, it, it really is so necessary for her in this moment whether it's going to lead to anything with jody right to have someone like that who act to, to say that like he asked me about my feelings as like yeah. a big like get like like the bar was on the ground and this guy like he passed the bar yeah i mean but the thing is is that that should be bare minimum right like those are basic requirements <laughs> that's fair like Oh, this person treated me with humanity. Yeah, that's bare minimum. Yeah. It's like get to know each other a little bit more. Like I'm not saying rush it, but Right, like, but I'm just saying like you you need to realize that yeah, this guy's great, but like this is what every relationship should be like. Right. You can't like this is bare minimum. Yeah. D- like this is where your standard should be. Now rise above that. Uh, they were also talking about Lisa and Jody at the happy hour. And Ju- Julia's like, I mean, if you feel like I don't want to be single and I like this person, like, why not? Life is too short. And then Gertie brings up, how many times were you engaged? And apparently Ju- Julia was engaged nine times. Girl. Including two. With, the first two were within the same year. When she was 18. It was like, I mean, Julia is kind of a catch. But. Yeah, it was like, yeah, that was a shock. That was a big shock. She was like, oh, God, Martina has nine Wimbledons and I have nine engagements. Um, So then, okay, so then Nicole asked Gertie, you know, why was she was upset at the party? She's like, I felt like something was off. Gertie, Gertie starts just talking about Larsa initially. She's like, I, I just had a hard time staying at that party. I was taken aback by Larsa's aggressive and, like, abrasive behavior. And then we cut back to Larsa talking about it at the gay brunch and she's like i'm just confused you know and i, and I called gertie to like get it to, to get together at some point and uh alexia's gay friend johnny is like let's give her the benefit of the doubt maybe she is going through something and clearly that went out one ear for in one ear for larsa clearly the other because because there was no grace in that meeting larsa needed uh erica's therapist to teach her empathy <laughs> like so what is empathy yeah <laughs> 
So we cut back to the happy hour of Gertie's then breaking down. And she basically tells them that she basically says that she has cancer. Uh, and it's it's incredibly sad. Adriana's reaction, though, when she says that she has cancer, she goes, no! Oh, my God! And it was very much, people were saying, it was very much reminding of when Kenya told them that uh, Velvet died, her dog. And Cynthia goes, <gasps> Ken, Kenya going, <laughs> Cynthia! <laughs> Um, and, but you could tell, like, as soon as she's talking, like, as soon as, uh, Gertie was telling the story and she mentioned Marogram, you could see, like, Nicole's face drop because she realized what she was about to say. And, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, part of me wonders if Nicole put this thing together knowing that, and having already put the pieces together. Yeah. And was hoping that wasn't it. Right. Yeah. It's like. She's already been talking to you about this, already talking to you about having a biopsy, and then the timing, and then her acting like this at the party. I feel like she already knew and was hoping it wasn't that. Yeah. And then you can just feel or see the dread yeah. on her face. Nicole literally goes, why? Always. It's always the fucking good eggs. And it was so, like, exasperated, like... Yeah, like this, like as someone who has had a family member pass from cancer, like this, uh, a lot of this stuff resonates in terms of like that sort of visceral, yeah, feeling. And Gertie talks about like she has to get it analyzed and stuff like that, and like she's worried about possibly going on chemo. She's like she doesn't want to even like use that word. Um, Adriana is like you have friends and you have family. Gertie says, I know, like, I'm scared and I care about Russell. Like, he takes care of so much. And th- that was the other thing. It's like, Gertie, we've seen throughout already on on Miami, like, she's such a workaholic. Like, that's one of her biggest, like, character traits. And she, like, puts everything into her work and, like, wants everything to be perfect and, like, you know, not let any stone go unturned. So she kind of has to relinquish things a little bit in this moment. And that can be hard to do. Yeah. Like, um, Julia says, like, don't worry about Russell. I've been in the same situation with Martina. Like, Russell's going to be there for you. You're going to be fine. Like, he's going to be fine. Uh, Adriana, and this, and that broke, like, Adriana is talking broke my heart. She's like, you were there for me when I needed it most. I'll be there for you. I promise you. And she's, like, hugging her, and, she's, and they're crying. And she's like, think about yourself now. You're strong. You work hard. You're there for your family. You're there for your friends. Now it's time for us to be there for you. Yeah. And it was just like, ugh. It's yeah. It it is gut wrenching and heartbreaking, but it was good to watch this scene with the knowledge that Gertie let us all know this week that she is cancer free. Yeah, she announced it at BravoCon, which is a big and and uh, I think like the day after she rang the um, bell for the um, completion. So yeah, it's, it's really big for her. And I said, I said it last week, like she's been also covering her journey a lot on her Instagram and like yeah. showing people like the process and stuff like that. Which and is good. Cause it demystifies it and makes it so that it's, it's someone can go and look and see the whole journey. So if they're starting that journey themselves, yeah. Can then look and go, okay, this isn't so scary. Like, yeah, it's scary. But I can see every step. I know what this looks like. Right. There's, it's not unknown. I know what I'm up against. So I, I really admire her for putting all of that out there. Um, and really, and, and um, not to get too deep into it, but also 
uh, similarly into what Grace Helbig has been doing, going through a similar journey and just putting everything out there and being very raw and honest on socials um, about her journey. And it's just, it's really important, I think, for us to, especially people with a platform like that, to really show that you can survive cancer, that um, it is very scary and it's very difficult to go through, but you can have a life while you're fighting cancer. And I think also Martina showed that as well in many ways. Like, I think, even though we didn't get to see it on the season, like, I think, but I think seeing it on this season, I think it's going to, like you said, it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. And and Gertie even cracking jokes. She's like, I mean, I have the best breast ever. I tell Russell, like, you know, what happens if like my nipple like dips down or whatever. She's like, Julia's like, I'm glad you're joking about it. Like, you know, you need that humor in it. What was, I think it was Nicole said, he'll get on his knees then if it dips a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then Nicole, they all cheers and Nicole said, you're going to girdify cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We then see Alexia and Todd go out to dinner. (laughs) Uh, Todd, uh, so apparently Peter's now in Miami, or Alexia's, uh, older son. Todd's like, are you excited? And like, Peter's like nearby now. And Alexia's like, yeah, I can't wait to do like the groceries for him. And Todd's like, really? He, you realize he's like 30, right? Like, I mean, that is like extreme. Inter- and Alexia's already talked about like her abil- inability to let go of her children and like, Really, we had never noticed that. I know it's like Peter's like so well adjusted. Like it's, <laughs> you know, he can definitely support himself. Um, Alexia says that you know her and Peter kind of share this. Oh, she says they share the same housekeeper even to where like she's like it's actually a good strategy because then she you know I can know what's going on at the house all times. It's 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 weird. It's weird. Sorry, that's weird. Sure. I mean, it's the equivalent of like your parents talking your social media, which I actually found out very recently uh, was happening to me. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) if you're listening. Um, Todd says like, you know, I think what you did was great that night at your party. You know, I know I'm stressed. I stressed you out hiding out downstairs in the gym. I got a really good workout in. I was like, he was downstairs. He didn't even go out. That's worse. Yeah, that's weird. She's like, I, he's like, I said bye to everyone when they were leaving. Alexia goes, I knew the girls would like have questions. And Todd's like, yeah, I totally get that. Like, like if the roles were reversed, we would be talking the same shit about it. Alexia's like, yeah, like, oh, there's trouble in paradise. But can you imagine going to that party, hearing that speech from Alexia? Yeah. And then going downstairs and there he is. <laughs> That's a mind fuck. Just like, where? Why are you here? What are what? <laughs> Todd says, "I'm learning from experience. If you're not comfortable, just stay out of harm's way." I mean, that's fair. But I, who was it that he was upset with and didn't want to be around? Do we know? I, I don't even know if there's a specific person. Like, it was mainly just the embarrassment of that video apology to Anthony. I feel, but like, again, like, I feel like that's a bullshit excuse. Yeah. The producer asked Alexia in the confessional, have you ever bailed on Todd for an event that was important to him? And she's like, um, never. Like, I'm always there, basically. So, kind of wish he was there for me. Like, Alexia is clearly upset and, like, not vocalizing. I also didn't like how when she tried to vocalize it at that dinner, he kept talking over her. Yeah. I did not like that at all. Yeah. Because it happened, like, 
two or three times in a row where she goes, yeah, but he, and he goes, I really thank you for being patient. And <laughs> like, and I'm like, excuse you, motherfucker. You're saying thank you, but your tone says, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> To, oh, and then at the end, Todd, they, they kiss, and uh, Todd is like, oh, my God, you look at the lipstick that you got on me. And Alexia goes, I wanted to mark my territory. And then uh, Todd goes, I mean, I prefer you just pee on me. I, Sir, I don't need into your kink. I don't. I also, don't. this is in public. <laughs> Not, like, I get that, yes, it's on television, and that's already in public, but you're in a restaurant. Yeah, sir. Behave yourself. <laughs> Um, we then see Larsa going to lunch with Gertie. Um, uh, Gertie basically is like, you know, I'm really willing to like start over with Larsa here. If she's willing to just listen to me, which she's not and have, and respect me, which she's not. (laughs) It's like, have you met Larsa Pippen? Clearly not. Gertie. I know. I know like you're, it's, you know, you have a lot going on, but you, but you did call her fake and that does take precedence, (laughs) which I just, I, again, I think it's such a low-level, like, base insult. Like, who gives a fuck? Larsa. Larsa does. Larsa goes, I called and, and wanted to start over after Alexi's event. And Gertie goes, same. I wanted to be vulnerable, and I'm glad that you're doing this. And Larsa goes, but we're not crying. And Gertie gets, I, I agree that Gertie should have been annoyed here. She goes, I mean, I can if I want. And Larsa goes, let's not cry. Gertie goes, it's not the right approach to basically set boundaries on what's going to happen today. Like, like, it's like, why are you like, like, I also don't understand, like, when you see her crying like that at the party, how it doesn't shake your system to enough where you have to be like, I need to listen. Yeah. And instead, you're just like, well, you were crying and that was weird. So, like, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, ew. Like, what? Um, Larsa goes, at Alexia's house. You didn't give me a chance to finish saying what I'm saying. Explain to me why you're on social media saying I'm fake. I've been nothing but nice to you. <laughs> why are you leading with that? I just like. Uh. Gertie goes, we are obviously on completely different planets. Me calling you fake. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Gertie goes, the way you talk about me is disrespectful and dismissive. And then, like, she kind of, Gertie goes on, like, sort of, like, giving examples and stuff like that. Larsa goes, I don't even understand what you're saying, to be honest. Gertie, and there's all this, like, Gertie talks fast. And sometimes it's hard to follow Gertie sometimes in the in the way that she talks. But it's also, like, that's Gertie. Like, yeah. And she says that, like, you know, and that's my point. You're not listening to me. Larsa goes, because you say a lot. Maybe if you use a few less words. Gertie goes, don't box me in. Like, that's my childhood. That's all I've dealt with. I came to this country not speaking a lot of English. And then Larsa goes, same. I speak four languages. <laughs> Gertie goes, you didn't come to this country. And Larsa goes, my family did. And Gertie goes, your family, not you. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Like, stop. Pick a struggle. And Gertie goes, honestly, and Gertie starts crying. goes, honestly, Larsa, I think you need to offer a safer space for people to be able to be open. Larsa goes, are you really doing this right now? Gertie goes, Larsa, please be patient with me. And Larsa goes, do you want me to start crying right now about what's going on in my life? How I, they- I hope she watches this back and, and feels like stupid. Feels like about a centimeter tall. It's it's so it's like, girl, you need to talk much less beyond like. Yeah. And Gertie's like, we're done. I'm done with this. And Larsa goes, what are you crying about? I apologize to you. 
What are you crying about? I just, I couldn't. This is a lot. And and that's the cliffhanger. We don't know what continues from that. But yeah, that was Miami for this week. Um, yeah, loved, loved, loved Miami. Um, really, really good stuff always. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got uh, Potomac, Salt Lake, Beverly Hills, Miami. What you thinking, babe? Uh, let me start with my bottom for this week. Um, I'm going to give it to the ever delusional Robin Dixon. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's her new title. Um, just like ta- It's like talking to a brick wall. And also, I didn't buy any of the spin in that first scene. It was so just like no one's buying what you're selling, Robin. And at, the, at a certain point, if enough people aren't buying it, it's not – it's not our fault. It's yours. Like, yeah. And she really wants to make it think like it's all our fault. And that just makes it more obnoxious. Like, it's really hard to like, at this point, it's really hard to feel bad for her. And yeah. that, and there was a potential to feel bad for her. Yeah. And we're not getting it. Um, My top for this week, I'm going to go over to Salt Lake. Actually, I'm going to give it to Monica. Like that was like an A plus level performance on so good. It was like if any if like that will go as like one of the best housewives episode performances. Oh, I think so. Yeah. She really is just on top of her game. She's not letting up. She's not afraid to have people against her and like just sort of fight her way out of it. I think this reunion's gonna be so fucking fun in the sense that everyone seems to hate her at this yeah. point <laughs> just everyone on one couch and monica on the yeah, other <laughs> yeah but those are some of the those have the potential to be some of the best reunions yeah like when everyone was after kenya in certain like parts of her like the early parts of kenya's run like that jersey reunion where it was everyone against Teresa, and Teresa was just fighting for her fucking life like is monica gonna end up first chair in i her would rookie season? How, i would not be shocked and i would not be mad about it is it going to be Monica v. Lisa? I, yeah. I, I, like Monica, Heather, and then Angie K. Yeah. I, I, let's like, like give her the first chair. She's earned it. Yeah. I, it's, it's crazy to say that for a rookie, but like, I really think, I mean, we said about like Jen on OC, this really is like a, a top level rookie oh, performance yeah. on Housewives. Really great stuff from Monica. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, oddly enough, we picked the same conflicts, okay, <laughs> but the opposite sides. So my bottom for the week uh, is going to be Lisa Barlow, okay, um, because holy shit, she was delusional this episode. So bad, it's awful. It's and it's particularly bad for anyone who is a fan of hers. Like this episode was just like, okay, guys. I'm going to need y'all to pick a side. Are you going to stay in this lady? Really? We still doing this? Yeah. Like, shit or get off the pot. And it it was embarrassing for her, honestly. I, like, I just, that's a lot. Um. Anyway, Lisa Barlow for the bottom. But my top is a little surprising. And it's Giselle. You know what? Like- Look, like... I have been down on Giselle in years past. and she, I think you said last, like the end of last season, you were fine with her leaving. I really was. Um, I, I loved how she came in this episode and said, I don't care what our narrative is. I'm not letting you look like a fool on camera. Or at the very least, I'm not going to look like a fucking fool. Well, yes, but also... Also, she's at least going to give you a chance, right? right? She's going, 
okay, you're dedicated to this delusion. I'm not. We're not doing this. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and act like none of this happened. So you've got your narrative. We'll act like your narrative is your actual narrative. And I'm going to challenge that shit. Yeah. Because this is fucked up. And that's not okay. I'm not going to let you sit out here as my friend looking like a fool like this. Right. And that's where I felt like, okay, I actually felt loyalty from her. I actually felt like this is someone who is actively working to protect her friend and actually showing up as a friend. That really like was like, oh, that's different. Oh, you're not a fake bitch after all. <laughs> okay. I see you. I see you, Giselle Bryant. And like, I just, I was really impressed with her performance. And honestly, as frustrated as I've been in seasons past with her, this episode, I really feel like she showed up and said, fuck these cameras. You're my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing something about this. It felt like that, yeah. And as frustrated as I've been on her performance, honestly, her performance as a friend, we could all only wish we had friends at that level. Like, honestly, get you a Giselle Bryant. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>